Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. It's the 3rd of June, so BHS will close. Uh, They can't find a rescue deal. There's nothing decent that's come through, so they're going to start selling off everything. And 11,000 people will be out of work. Just what you don't need. However, is it easy to get a job in retail? We'll ask that question later on. The flood threat to the Mona Lisa. The Seine has risen by about 15 feet. The man who won £4 million on a scratch card. The Twitter backlash as a middle-class couple claim they can't live on £200,000 a year. When they uh, doorstep the husband, he closed it. It had nothing to comment on at all. The nighttime car vandal. Uh, King Tut's burial dagger came from outer space and the pyramids were built by aliens. Whoopee! All of that, homemade candles in London and Marmite popcorn. Yes, between now and 6.30, all the world will be revealed to you. But I I have to uh, bring you a story. I didn't witness this one. It was was one one of our sister stations... Uh, guys, one of the presenters there who's up against me in the morning, uh, called Rich. And he said he saw this great thing in Leicester Square. He said one of the people downstairs, uh, we have a club down here and there's uh, lots of people who mill around the square in the early, even at this time of the morning, even at five past four. And, uh, and it was a bloke who had picked up a load of leaflets and he just threw them all up in the air and they went all over the place. You know what people do when they've had a few drinks? You see people doing that and they throw them and you think, where is the replacement? Unfortunately, in Leicester Square... There were quite a few policemen. And so they called him over. Oi, oi. Over here. Sat him down. Gave him an on-the-spot fine. Yes, brilliant. And then he had to go round and pick up every single leaflet that he'd thrown on the ground. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is called justice. And that's why you should join the police force today to teach these people a lesson. You wanted to go up to him and go, you are such a, aren't you? A little mm-hmm, like that, because you're not the clever penny in the box. You thought you were being really big and clever, but you're not. You got an on-the-spot fine. I tell, oh, I'd love to be the person. What's your name? Name. N-A-M-E-R. What is it? Go on, I tell you. People think they can sort of just just ruin our places that we love so much in this country. Prince Harry's turned up to a veteran's thing. No tie. And the veteran says to him, where's your, I mean, tie? You know, you're coming to see people off, veterans who dress up to the... When have you ever seen veterans turning up to any event that is involving veterans, turning up in a pair of jeans and a T-shirt? Harry turns up in an open-neck shirt, and he said, I was told I didn't need to wear a tie. And you think, can't you think for yourself? Are you not intelligent enough? You know, just because you remember the royal family does not make you bright, and quite clearly in Harry's case, according to the programme The Windsors, he does play the dumb one. He's the one who can't read. And you feel like saying, shouldn't you have said to whoever said you don't need to wear a tie? Well, I'm going to wear one. Because I'm sort of... He just is turning up looking more scruffy by the day. His brother gets a bit of coverage. They're trying to sort of do damage limitation with Prince William uh, against all the what does he do for a living. And they go, oh, he uh, he flies helicopters. Uh, well, he, he's an assistant pilot. And, in fact, uh, the, the papers are now not even fooled by it. Because what they've actually done is they've shoved it inside a little tiny bit, saying he went out and uh, he was called to a heart attack, a heart attack patient which is what he's paid to do. He's an air ambulance pilot. That's what he does. He's not medically qualified. He just flies the thing. The doctors go with him. And he came back with a pair of gloves on. I thought, oh, God, don't tell me he's doing open-heart surgery now as well. I couldn't bear it. And so they do that, and we're all going, yeah, but that's what he's paid to do. That's his job. It's like having a piece in the paper saying, radio presenter, Gold Archiever Award winner, uh, turned up, you know, to do a radio programme. Equally stupid. 
equally non-eventful, I'm afraid. It's like, you know, it'd be nice to see Harry doing something as opposed to just posing for another blasted photograph. But there you go. We never voted them in. We can probably vote them out, though. Uh, neglect by the Priory of all places. I thought the Priory was, like, top of its game. Apparently not in this case. Uh, also, uh, the BBC blasted. They turned down work applicants for being white. They were only looking for ethnic. Isn't that illegal? I thought that was... A, that's like advertising jobs saying, we only want white people. And everybody who's in a minority will be going, excuse me, excuse me. Not allowed to say that. So, And I do know, I had it on very good authority, that, that one of the bosses uh, for some years ago did say we need to get more ethnic people in. How patronising is that? Uh, Muhammad Ali's rushed to hospital. Some of the papers have written him off. Uh, it's almost like they're saying he's been rushed to hospital, he's got breathing problems, this is it. I'm hoping it's not. I remember him when he used to turn up, as you will as well, on chat shows in this country. I whoop him, I do this, I do that, and all the rest of it. And he was big, he, he had a personality which we hadn't really seen from boxers, apart from our Henry. Uh, the rest of it was all a bit sort of naff, but when he turned up on the chat shows and he was on parking, everybody loved him. Everybody loved him. You know, now he's sort of stricken down. And you feel a bit sorry for him, but he had breathing problems, rushed him into hospital, and I think he's comfortable at the moment. The Sainsbury's cock-up over the Prosecco deal. Of course, Sainsbury's being Sainsbury's. Once somebody tweaked how easy it was to get Prosecco very cheaply, uh, Sainsbury's stopped the offer. They had to do it. And the other story which is on the front of the papers uh, is the, uh, it's the Johnny Depp story again. The Johnny Depp story. Uh, and it's text revealed depths of Amber's torment. And they claim that she's had replies from Johnny's assistant called Stephen. I can happily tell you now that Johnny Depp's assistant says this is not true. These have been badly doctored. These are not the texts that he wrote back. Uh, so either, as I said yesterday, this woman is the world's greatest liar. We know that she's broke. We know she cannot live within her means. We know she's lesbian or bisexual, or whatever it is, doesn't make any difference. You know, either way, if she's married to a woman, she went through some sort of civil service, what's she doing hanging around with Don, Johnny Depp, worth 280 million? Uh, is she just a money grabber? Is she a gold digger? Is she a fantasist? Has she got some sickness? Who knows? Either way, all of the stuff that she's saying, people are poo-pooing. The, uh, the texts and the emails, no, didn't happen. Didn't happen, says Johnny's assistant, even though he's quoted in the papers as this is what he wrote back. He said they'd been badly doctored. The police said there were no marks on her whatsoever. So you're either dealing with a compulsive liar or somebody who's having a good old laugh at the system uh, and is going, well, he, he used to be, he tried to smother me. Why would Johnny Depp try to smother her? Although, apart from the fact that she's extremely irritating, you just literally push her out of the house and go, oh, go away, for goodness sake, you boring old baggage. Uh, also, Paul Burrell to divorce. Big surprise there. I never thought he was the butcher's thing under the sun. And apparently they've been living separate lives for ages and ages. Um, I've got nowhere to shave my legs. That story is to do with transgender prisoners. How many cross-dressers are in prison, for God's sake? They're complaining that there's nowhere for them to shave their legs. And, and I'm sort of thinking, I'm sorry, you're a prisoner. You've committed a crime. We have sent you to prison. There's a reason for it. You know, we're not going to mamby-pamby you around and get... They've also complained they can't get the makeup that they want. Well, you shouldn't have committed the crime in the first place, should you? That makes you an extremely stupid person. I love the story of King Tut's burial dagger. They say the metal came from outer space. Do I don't know where that tune came from. Sorry. Do dee do do do. Boo 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 boo. That's it. Do you remember that from Close Encounters? 
where he was he was he was doing this thing and the spaceship had landed behind the mountain and he went round there and he was playing on this thing and they did do 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 and then the spaceship responded it was amazing it was amazing it was a real spaceship from outer space and they're saying that the pyramids were built by aliens no they weren't they were built by egyptian slaves they were, unless they were aliens. We know that because we've seen the villages that they lived in next to the pyramid. The moment the pharaoh was announced as being your pharaoh, your it for the next God knows how many years, or in Tutankhamun's case, not many, and they start building his pyramid. He could sit there and watch his burial chamber being built. He'd go there every day, have a little look. That's nice. Bricks looking nice, aren't they? I like that. Can we have some more? Maybe face it, because the pyramids used to be faced. With uh, with different things, so they burnished and they looked fabulous, but they didn't come from outer space. And of course, the uh, the burial dagger didn't come from outer space either. That's just a load of old claptrap, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Joey Essex turns up at a Tatler party. God knows why. Uh, do you think they were just pointing and laughing at him, the bloke who can't tell the time? You know, hi Joey. What what time is it now? Uh, don't know. I've got the watch. Got a really expensive watch on. I can't tell the time. I think he's got so many watches. And then laugh upon laugh. Yes. Who's that bimbo out of uh, Made in Essex? Mark Wright's sister. Jessica, Jessica Wright. Little Jessica. Little Jessica Wright. She's let slip that she'd love to go into I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Do you know what the reason is? You won't believe it. Seriously. It's to show the fans my true personality. That, that, I mean, so, no, she's being serious. I mean, don't Please don't laugh at her. She can't help being stupid and thick. She's going in there because she wants to show people her true personality. I'm so, terribly sorry, Jessica. Nobody gives us stuff. Nobody cares about you. You're, you're just some cheap baggage off a reality programme. I couldn't care less what your personality is. But it's way, we haven't seen it in TOWIE, so we're not likely to see it on a programme. I'd like to go out there to prove to my fans. You're living in some delusion, darling, aren't you? Like the rest of the family. I suggest you stay at home a little bit more. Perhaps get some help. Get some help. She's got fans, apparently. Well, she's got a few simple people who write to her. Did Jessica really love you? Really think you're great? And <laughs> these are the normal ones. And then a lot of other people go, I really like you on the television. I like you in your bikini better. That showed off your assets. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Know what I'm saying? By the way, I'll meet you outside the KFC on Saturday night. That's the sort of people she attracts. And the trouble is, because she's she's 30 now, I mean, she's practically ancient in terms of reality shows. I mean, she's so past her sell-by, you don't really know what to say to her. I don't know what I can advise her to do. Perhaps get a job in Sainsbury's. Could you stack shelf? Oh, let's not tax her too much. Perhaps you could work on the checkout. You don't have to have too much intelligence for that, do you? But uh, no, she wants to go on the, the reality show to, to show fans her true personality. God, give me a break. Honestly, you do love it. You, I do love them, actually. I, I do love them because they're just so mad. They're as mad as a barrel load of frogs. Actually, we, we have tried this morning. What do you think that? You know what that is, don't you? You can tell straight away because it's popcorn. Not just any old pop short popcorn. It's luxury popcorn. You know, real luxury popcorn. Gourmet popcorn. This is uh, from Joe and Seth's. And we were talking about it the other day, actually. It's Marmite popcorn. And before you go, ooh, what does that taste like? I have to tell you, it's very odd. It's very strange. We all, we all tried it in the office. We even got the newsreader, Charles, to try a little bit. It's very difficult to get him to put anything in his mouth at this time of the morning because he doesn't, um, because it confu- you know, you're not supposed to eat when you're reading the news. I don't know what the reason for it is. I don't know. But anyway, I said, it's all right. You, you can try it. And he did try. And he did say, 
it tasted slightly peculiar because the Marmite taste comes through basically as you've swallowed it. It's, it's, it's very, I can't describe what it's like. It's like, um, well, it's Marmite popcorn and it's, you know, you can do all sorts. You can put sea salt in chocolate now and stuff like that. So this is, this is fairly unusual, fairly unusual. (laughs) And, um, and I, I liked it, but I didn't like it when I first tried it. Because it, it, it was great. And then once the taste had gone, then you were left with the taste of Marmite. And I quite like, quite like Marmite. I don't go mad on it. I like that panini that they do, which is uh, Marmite and then cheese on top. And you could do cheese on toast with Marmite spread underneath it. That's very nice. That's very nice. So uh, we'll do a bit of a taste testing later on with, uh, with that one. Uh, also, Jovial Prince Philip back on form. And uh, what was the other one? Oh, the... Um, I've got to I've got to do the uh, the prosecco one for you because it's quite an interesting one. It's happened with other supermarkets where somebody in marketing has not quite worked out exactly how something works, and so uh, they were ending up losing a fortune on the bottles of prosecco. And as I was instrumental, I think, and possibly responsible for introducing prosecco to the British market and for getting the immense sales that it has now, uh, I can take some sort of responsibility for the fact that this was about the cheapest prosecco I'd ever seen in my life. It didn't start off cheap, but the time you got all the deals on it, it was very cheap. Details in a moment. It's quarter past four. Steve Allen on LBC. Nick Ferrari at breakfast every weekday morning from seven only on LBC. Nick and the team at breakfast seven o'clock this morning. Angela Merkel, arguably the most powerful politician in Europe, says she hopes the UK will stay in the EU for the benefit of us all. Should the German Chancellor have a say and will it make a difference? With the EU referendum less than three weeks away, they'll be joined, Nick will, by the former Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg. Not seen him for ages in here, have we? I just talked to his uh, his uh, police bodyguard because he was uh, he was a listener as well. So probably listening this morning, I should imagine. <laughs> Former Foreign Secretary David Miliband will be in as well. They'll tell you what they think we should do. And Brexit campaigner and UKIP leader Nigel Farage will take your calls. Plus Lord Digby Jones is with Nick to look through the papers. That's all after the morning news with Hannah Vaughan Jones on LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Friday. Woo woo woo. Woo for Friday. Big up Friday. Uh, the show to do this morning. And then I've got two interviews. And then I've got to rush home, get changed, come back into town. Because you remember we did the Make Some Noise. You know, it seems ages. It, seemed, it was last year. October last year we did it. And, um, and a lady bid for afternoon tea with me. And that day is today. That day is today. So I'm looking forward to that. So Lenny, see you a little bit later on. And uh, I think I've got another one later in the year as well. I'm just, I'm, I think in August, I'm constantly drinking tea for this company, which I don't complain about. I like a nice cup of tea and some sandwiches, so we'll look forward to that. And then I was debating, do I come back into town on the train or do I bring the car? And I thought, you know, the, the hotel, it's a lovely hotel, uh, I think it's probably easier to bring the car in. I mean, I know there is a bus stop outside, but I mean, if you're a well-known celebrity, you can't get on the bus, can you? For goodness sake. I mean, it's got to be something. You've got to turn up and look a little bit flash. Yes, and yesterday we were, t- we were standing by the bus stop waiting for the bus. In fact, we were praying for the bus to come along. And up he lurched. Uh, yeah, see you. See you. I, yeah. I thought, oh, God, here we go. Drunks at this time of the morning. Uh, from Glasgow. And uh, that was very exciting. So we're still having this chat. 
Yes, right. He, he, was, he was telling us about, about the football, the game which hadn't even taken place. And, of course, as I don't know anything about football, I'm going along with it. I'm listening to what he's saying. And so I came out of my family, and I had two, two boys up in uh, Glasgow, and I said... So I keep people talking. I can talk them, you know, out of conversation completely. I said, oh, I used to go up to Glasgow to Toll Cross. He looked a bit vacant. I said, yeah, I used to go to the McVitie's factory. And I live in uh, Glasgow... And uh, and I come back down to London because it's better and it's not. I said, oh, good. I said, oh, look, there's our bus. And then came the coup de grace. You couldn't actually uh, see a way to give me 80p, could you? I'm so sorry. I've only got 50 pound notes and I don't know. I said, no, I've got nothing. Why do we always say that? We always say that because you're not sure if they're going to go give us your wallet and run off with it, in which case I don't do running. So I'd have to, you know, tackle him or something like that. And so I said, oh, I've only got the pass for the bus. Don't carry any money. Far too dangerous in London. And so we got there. And I should imagine he, he probably tried to tap everybody that morning. But you have the conversation at uh, uh, the end of it. Oh, it's been really nice talking to you. Could you see a wee? He only wanted 80 pence. What he's going to do with 80 pence? I've got no idea. One morning, some girl came up to John Warrington and I. She wanted a tenner. She asked for a tenner to get herself home. She was covered in blood. Covered. We, we just directed her to the local police station, but John gave her the money. He gave it. I said, do you realise she might have just, she might have told lies. My friend Michael got caught by that one as well. Somebody parked up outside a shop and the woman gets out and said, I'm really sorry, Can you, could you give me some money for petrol? We need to get home to Glasgow because my mother's really ill. And anyway, Michael being gullible, well, you know, gullible with hindsight. And, uh, and so he did. He gave her the money. What he should have done is said, listen, follow me to the next garage and I'll pay for some petrol for you. But of course, she didn't really want petrol. She wanted the money. And the shopkeeper said to him, he said, she's been sitting out there all day getting money off people. And he said, well, I hope she feels ashamed. And I said, of course she won't feel ashamed. She's one of those crooks. That's what they do. They have no... It's like people who rob pensioners. They couldn't care less. They're not bothered about doorstepping a pensioner with dementia. But I did see, on the subject of dementia, a very interesting programme with Angela Rippon. And she was talking to this lady who's in the early stages of dementia. And she said, how did you know you had dementia? OK, it's like saying to somebody, how do you know you've got diabetes? The answer is, you'll go to the toilet a lot. You'll sweat a lot until it's under control. But it's going to the toilet that will sort of change it. You know, and you could go six, ten times in a night. You know, you could wee for the country. Dementia, they said, how did you know when you first had the onsets of it? She said, I couldn't remember where things were. She said, I go, right, I'm going down the post office. She said, and I'd stand there going, I can't remember where the post office is. She said, I could, couldn't remember where the post office is and she couldn't remember how to do things she couldn't remember something as simple as how to flush the chain on the toilet and so she's got things on her cupboards now because she's she's aware of it and one of it it's got a picture of a cup of tea and it's got cup of tea and there's an app and she gets her ipad out and she aims it at it and the ipad says to make a cup of tea you get the cup out of the cupboard so she gets the cup out of the cupboard you get a tea bag check that there's water in the kettle put the ke- and it takes her through making a cup of tea and she's got it on there for going to the toilet uh, how to get to places making a cheese and ham sandwich uh, how to make a cup of tea how to make a cup of coffee because that's what you forget when you've got dementia it starts with you not remembering how you get to a place like i'm going to the bus stop I can't, remember, I can't remember where the bus stop is. Where's the bus stop? I don't know. just can't remember. And it becomes frustrating. So she's, she's, she's at least heading in the right direction. So I was quite pleased about that. I liked, I liked that story. And I thought, I must remember to tell everybody this morning that that's how they, uh, how they do it. Uh, Kevin the Miltman says, Jessica Wright and fans. There's words you don't normally hear in the same sentence. I know. 
the, the laughability of the poor creature. The laughability. I think I'd like to go there to show my fans my true personality. Your true personality is even more dull than you can ever imagine, dear. If you have to explain to somebody you want to show them your personality, quite clearly you don't have one. You won't find me coming on air going, I'm doing this programme because I want to show my fans my true personality. You know, they accept the fact I am a personality. That's why I'm here. I have a personality, that's why they pay me, because I'm paid for my personality. She has to explain to her fans, it must be a bit simple, let's not put it in any other context, shall we, that uh, she's got a personality and it's not the one you've seen so far. So she's not that boring little twerp who cries at the drop of a hat and can't really really keep boyfriends. It's, it's not that one. There's obviously another Jessica. Perhaps she comes from another country. But so far, we haven't seen any personality, and she's been on the television, you know, for ages and ages. Oh, far too long, I think, she's been on the television. I think it's about time that she got rid of her. But, of course, she has. Luckily, she's, um, she's started designing her own shoes. Amazing, isn't it? With no experience whatsoever, she's now designing shoes. How clever. Uh, Steve Backhoe, we put salt and sugar in our chocolate drink, says Les. Mm. I, don't, I don't have salt in the house, actually. I really do not have salt at all. I just don't... Uh, I don't, I don't use salt. I think there's enough salt in all sorts of things nowadays. So I don't, uh, I don't need it. I don't need it. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Everything will be uh, in on the programme between now and 6.30. Uh, Prince was killed by the same drug that Michael Jackson used. Apparently it's for those people who are in the show business. Well, that's the way he sort of described it, uh, or the doctor did. And it takes away anxiety and all sorts of things. It also ultimately kills you. So let's not go down that route, shall we? Uh, motorists now face a fine for getting too close to cyclists. So, in other words, it's not the cyclist who's too close to the car. It's the car's too close to the cyclist. And the producer's all in favour of this one. He thinks motorists... Of course, we're not talking now. I mean, there's no point, is there? Quite clearly, we're coming from opposing sides on this one. I'm the motorist, shoot the cyclist. And he's the cyclist, shoot the motorist. So, and he's got a car too. I mean, really, talk about hedging your bets. Hedging your bets. We've got a bicycle and we've got a gas-guzzling car. You know, and we sit there and watch dead pigeons being eaten by, um, by seagulls, which was possibly the most traumatic thing. You see, I think there's too many cyclists who, you know, we get them on the pavement round our way and uh, they sort of swerve to avoid. It's just dangerous. Oh, something else I was going to tell you. Something else I was going to tell you. If you've got children, you have probably discovered, if they are of nursery age, how expensive it is to put a child in a nursery. I thought it would be cheap. It's a little child. It, they, they, they sleep. They play with toys, they have a little bit to eat, then they sleep again, then they go out for a walk and that's it. That's what nursery is. So a friend of mine, Rich, has got a lovely little girl. So he went to find out from a local nursery. He wants her in there two days a week. And uh, how much do you think a month for two days a week for a little girl who'll be in there for a few hours? £1,400 they want for the month. £1,400. I tell you, small wonder these nurseries are cashing in like there's no tomorrow. Parents need to go out to work to be able to afford the blooming nursery fees. What a rip-off. 1400 quid, which worked out, I think it was something like 350 quid for two days. For a little child. I could understand it if they were eating gourmet food, but you know what kids are like? They don't eat very much anyway. They're just as happy with slices of apple and orange and stuff like that. It's 1,400 quid for a month for two days a week. That's all it is. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm I'm horrified that it costs that much money. But uh, we have them round our way. We have quite a number. They walk up and down the street. The kids have got their little uh, fluorescent jackets on. And sometimes if they're they're in like um, 
um, a carriage which holds eight of them, and that gets pulled along by a couple of the girls. But it was very interesting, because I heard a story the other day, and um, it's another friend of mine who's a pub landlord. And some of the girls from this nursery were in his pub in Twickenham. And it's a well-known nursery, very well-known nursery. Now, I'm assuming everybody in nurseries has to be vetted. They have to be passed uh, as to fit to be working with children. Can't have anybody who's, who's not fit for purpose. Anyway, these uh, girls were in there and they started swearing. And one of them was underage. And he knew they were underage because somebody else had been talking about it at his bar. And so he went over and he said to the girl who was underage, he said, listen, you know, you're underage. If I see you drinking, I will take your drinks away from you. OK, it's my licence. So anyway, what do they do? They go outside. She carries on drinking. And so he goes over with his barman and they take all their drinks away. He says, I've told you, you know, you're underage for drinking. And uh, they started kicking off. They started being all mouthy and using swear words and everything else. And he said to a couple of girls, he said, I know which nursery you work in. That shut them up like that. That shut them up immediately. He said, I and she went, how do you know we work in nursery? He said, let's just say I know which nursery you work in. You know, I thought, he's, he's a landlord in Twickenham. We see these people every day. And I said, you know, the next time that happens, you should complain to the police because you could have her removed from working with children. She's quite clearly a foul-mouthed drunk who shouldn't be allowed anywhere near children. They're looking after little children. But the moment he said, I know where you work, they zipped up really fast because she suddenly realised the implications. And, uh, and I know the nursery as well. So uh, I'll be watching out for them too. Because once I've witnessed it, then I can use it. Dreadful. I remember once we had a school... Oh, sorry, I'm late. We had a school in Twickenham, and I used to, when we had Woolworths, that was years ago, and uh, some of the school kids used to go nicking in there. So I did it on air. The school headmistress wrote in and said, this is disgraceful slur on our school. Stupid old bag she was, because I took photos of them nicking, and we proved it. But uh, again, not, not as dumb as uh, head teachers who don't realise that some kids in the school nick things. A little bit late this morning. LBC News Time, four thirty. With the leading Britain's conversation, LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Biggest audience, biggest audience. Getting better, getting better. You're all spreading the word, which is good news. We have the biggest audience. In this time slot, bar none, bar none. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, I'll be using an extra wheelbarrow to take the money to the bank, I think, later on today. Uh, I did see the story about the Japanese boy. We did it on the programme. Uh, the parents lied through their teeth. They originally said he'd run off. And then they finally admitted he was throwing stones at cars. So in an effort to teach him a lesson, they dump him in an area which is prone to bear attacks. I mean this couple should be prosecuted because the search to find him must have cost God knows how much. They had the army, helicopters. They did find him alive. A seven-year-old boy had been dumped on a mountain path. They said he just wandered off, lying through their teeth. And then, of course, they go, what do you mean he wandered off? He's seven. He's going to tell people he was, he was told off for being naughty, throwing rocks at cars and things like that. I mean, to be honest with you, there should be some sort of punishment. We don't just abandon him in the middle of an area that's prone to bear attacks. I mean, how stupid are they? Just imagine if he'd been found and he'd been, you know, mauled by bears. He would not be alive. They'd be facing charges. But they did find him, thank God. They won't be doing that any time in a hurry. There's, there's, no, there's no sort of reason for parents doing something as stupid as that, unless they're particularly stupid parents. Uh, Steve, uh, children in nurseries sometimes uh, not looking after... Uh, children, something not uh, Properly, the staff aren't paid well. I wouldn't expect them to be paid anything at all, really. It should be a labour of love looking after children. 
I don't know. All they've got to do is sort of, you know, play with children and walk up and down the road with them. It's not complicated. But uh, we don't want to see boozed up uh, heifer lumps sitting in pubs, uh, swearing and everything else. But as I say, as soon as the landlord had saw them, he said, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly. I was quite uh, quite delighted, actually. Uh, Steve, I've just purchased some Joe and uh, Seth's French goat's cheese popcorn, but I think you dislike goat's cheese. I'm not actually, Pat, a lover of cheese full stop. I'm a bit dull and boring. Edam, I grew up on. Red Leicester, cheddar, Cornish cheddar, and that's about it. Any of those sort of drippy French cheeses, I can't do. I really can't do. Uh, Johnny G says, I've just given a statement to the police. Silly man tried to make off without payment at 3am from my taxi, then tried to jump out the window en route to the police station. Arrested and in custody. Moral of the story, don't try hoodwinking black cabs. Oh, God, can I can't imagine what sort of person would ever do that, who would ever sort of get out of a black cab. I mean, most cab drivers now, I thought, I might, I might be wrong on this one, is that you actually pay the money, then they open the doors, and then you can get out. I wouldn't trust anybody sitting in the back of a cab in London. I really wouldn't. You know, as far as I'm concerned, they're all potential people who can do runners. And that's why I think, you know, you have to be, you have to be very careful. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, and so, well, at least you got him. Fantastic. As I say, like the bloke that we got down here, which Rich witnessed, throwing all these leaflets all over the place, and the peace, please give I mean, I would love to be a plainclothes policeman for the day, because I see more crime being committed everywhere. You know, from people riding on the pavement, I'd have them straight away. That would be an instant £100 fine. Uh, to people urinating in doorways, that would be a £250 fine. It's as simple as that. There is no excuse for it. Absolutely no excuse. Uh, admittedly, there aren't such things as public toilets anymore, but there's places you can go into. You know, if you really wanted to go into the toilet and you're in central London, you go to the Hippodrome. It's a 24-hour casino. You go in there. You don't need to join or be a member. Just go in, go to the toilet, come back out again. You know, these people who urinate in doorways. £250. If you haven't got £250 on, you're arrested and you're kept at the station until somebody turns up and pays the fine for you. Simple as that. There's no messing around with it at all. You don't need to go to court, don't need to do anything at all. Uh, Steve, regarding Tutankhamun's knife, presumably made from metal, gleaned from a meteorite. If so, that's the same as the legend of the Bowie knife, as explained in the Alan Ladd film The Iron Mistress. At the end of that movie, a voiceover states he lost the knife, but still wears the other bit. Yes. Actually, what we talked about the other day... Oh, that's right, that was that, that Ray, Ray Liotta line. If you build it, he will come. Such a great line. Such a great line. When he delivers it, you wait till you hear it. You wait till you hear it. You're going to absolutely love it. You're not going to be disappointed with that interview. And uh, this weekend, uh, we've got uh, two great interviews for In Conversation. Tell you about them a little bit later on, in case you missed yesterday's programme. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Everything we weave in on the programme. Everything we put in between now and 6.30. Why? Because we just care about you. You know, if you're particularly stupid, well, then you just go into the dustbin and you have to go and buy another telephone because the computer will not accept your number ever again. So <laughs> at least it'll make you spend money, which always... I always wanted to have a system. I, I said to one of my bosses years ago, I said, if anybody ever sent anything offensive to any, to any presenter, could we not have a little button that you push which sends them a text back to their phone going, you've just been fined £20, which has now been deducted from your phone. You know, so if you're pay-as-you-go... Then you've lost 20 quid straight away. And by the time you've done that twice, they think, they think you have to go and buy another phone. But every time you do it, you send a text which costs them so much money. I thought that'd be hilarious. I love stuff like that. Uh, so on the front of the sun this morning, uh, text reveal depths of Amber's torment. Uh, and they claim that um, she her, her sort of vow and the row uh, over whether or not 
He had uh, domestic abuse claims. Uh, she chose not to take claims against him. But, of course, it's got nothing to do with her. It's up to the police to prosecute. The police have decided there is no case to answer. It's got nothing to do with her pressing charges. If the police think that there is a case here to answer, they would bring the charges. You don't need to bother with what she says. Really, nothing at all. And uh, the, the texts that apparently have been sent to Johnny Depp's assistant, he said, these aren't true. These are not true. He's issued a statement saying they've been heavily doctored. In other words, she's a compulsive liar. Somebody somewhere is manipulating her so she can get some money. But if she's a lesbian, it seems a bit pointless. Why would a lesbian want to sort of take charges, you know, against an actor whose wife has gone on record and issued a statement saying he's not like this at all? Absolutely not like that. Uh, his daughter has gone on record. They've issued statements. He's not like that. You know, the idea that he tried to smother her is just baloney. You know, and I think she's going to turn out. Somebody's going to find and say, of course, she's often told lies. That's what they're going to... The next thing is, it's going to be the annihilation. It's going to be very messy, this one. Very messy. But we will follow it because it's American. And we love a little bit of American, don't we, on the programme? Well, I do anyway. So here's the Sainsbury's deal. This is where they screwed up big time. Sainsbury's were offering bottles of Prosecco for £10. Now, I pay about six and a half quid a bottle uh, for Prosecco, which I think is about right. Um, Marks and Spencer's put theirs up to £11. It's nice, but it's not worth 11 quid. And if they're selling it for £10, they're making a huge profit. And so I think a bottle of Prosecco should be around about six quid. I think that would be about the right kind of, about the right kind of mark, I think. Anyway, they had a deal. £10 bottles um, reduced to £7.50 if you bought six. Now, if you buy six, and Marks and Spencer's had the same deal as well, um, because I had a voucher that if you spent 35 quid, you got more money off. And it used to be, I think it was it a tenner off or something. If you spent 60, you got a tenner off, whatever it was. It was a good deal. And they got caught out here. So the £10 bottle reduced to £7.50, which means six costs £45. If you buy six, you get 25% off, which leaves a total of £33.75. You see where we're going here. If you spend £60 or more, there was a voucher you could download from the internet, which gave you £18 off. <laughs> They're so dumb in these supermarkets, which meant that six bottles cost £15.75 or £2.63 a bottle. People were snapping it up. People are going, download this voucher, download this voucher, buy this and you can get it for £2.63 a bottle. It's worth spending the money to stockpile. It's absolutely worth spending the money. The moment Sainsbury's found it, obviously somebody wrote to them and went, this is really good value. Thank you so much, Sainsbury's. Stop it, stop it now. Quick, quick, quick. Cancel the voucher. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. The deal was launched last week. It went viral after it was flagged by Martin Lewis on his website. <laughs> you see, you wish he hadn't done it, really. We could have kept it going for ages. One shopper tweeted, my mum is currently sa uh, sat waiting for her Sainsbury's order of 12 bottles of Prosecco. Good God, I'd have ordered 100. 100 bottles. Are you mad? £2.63, sitting on a waiting on an order of 12? You silly old woman. And uh, by Tuesday, the retailer announced that the deal was off, claiming stocks were running low, yet customers said there's loads of other... They were exactly... Exactly. Quick, quick, quick. Stop it now. Stop it now. They were told they'd get a voucher making up the difference in compensation. Last night, Martin suggested Sainsbury's has, a, has agreed it would still honour the deal for some, although it was not clear for how many. 
They're so dumb, these people, aren't they? I love it. I love a good deal like that. Somebody else had it, didn't they? And was it if you bought bananas you got so much off years ago? Again, from Sainsbury's, I'm pretty certain. And, and it ended up you were paying, like, a penny for this and a penny for that. But, you know, they come up with it. You know, I'd have ordered, literally, I'd have gone, I'll have 300 bottles of Prosecco, please. I couldn't care less. You, you, you've done an offer. I think you should honour it. How dare you renege on a deal that you actually printed and put up on the internet? That's your problem. That's your, it's not my problem. Sitting there waiting for 12 bottles. Pfft. I keep that in the boot of the car all the time. <laughs> in fact, actually, I did go. Did I go yesterday? No, I went the day before. Just to stock up on Prosecco. At that price, you know, it's, it's good value, I think. But it's even better value at £2.63. <laughs> I love it. It's really good, isn't it? Uh, the £5 note is everywhere. The one that you can wash. How many people leave money in their pocket? I mean, really. Do you not? I mean, unless you're really stupid. Do you not, when you put your jeans or whatever in the washing machine, do you not go through the pockets, you know, front pocket? If I'm putting a jacket into the dry cleaners, you know, I check all the pockets, the inside pockets, the zippered pockets, and so it goes in there with nothing in it. The only thing I left in there once was a needle. I left, but my needles are sealed, so it doesn't actually make any difference. But I remember the, uh, the dry cleaner, Thomas, he said, I think this is one of yours. They always know it's mine, don't they? It's got needles in it. It must be Steve Allen's. Always very funny. Always very funny. Uh, what else do we have in the paper? Oh, yes. In the, in the light... Oh, yes, yes, yes. Two things, two things, two things. Quick, here it is. Uh, I was asking, who is Nathan Carter? Because uh, Nathan Carter is, is touring, and he's got all these dates coming up and all the rest of it, and he does everything. Irish trad, ballads, rock and roll, classic country songs, and he does Wagon Wheel. I don't know what wagon wheel is, I'm afraid. But anyway, he's obviously very popular. And so, because I didn't know who he was, and I kept saying, but, you know, he's, he's doing a Scottish tour, which runs through uh, July. He's also back in uh, Ireland. He's off to France. Uh, he's also doing um, one here, the Killarney Weekend. This is in May. We're in May, are we? May? We're, no, we're in June, aren't we now? Oh, you've missed it. Uh, you've missed it. But that, that was quite nice. Six nights, dinner, bed and breakfast in the Torquebrada Hotel... Benel Medina, the Costa del Sol. That was the seventh. Oh, this is first of October to the seventh of October, and it's four hundred ninety-five pounds, which is not bad. Uh, they, they've also got rooms there, so it's dinner, bed, and breakfast. It's not bad, is it? Not bad at all. And they've got all sorts of people featuring, including him. So, uh, so somebody very kindly sent me in his his tour brochure because I said I'd never heard of him. Seriously, there must be loads of people touring Ireland. Uh, who I've never heard of, and he he was one of them. So they sent me in his uh, brochure, which is very nice. So I'm very grateful. He's obviously much loved. And uh, it's a nice colour brochure, actually. Reminds me very much of mine, except he's slightly better looking than me, but it doesn't matter. I'm prepared to, to go with that one. So thank you very much indeed, whoever sent that in to me. I don't know. But it reminded me to tell you that Rod Stewart is touring, and he's got dates coming up starting tomorrow. He's sold out. The next one is sold out, the next one 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 sold out. Then there's Carlisle, that's not sold out yet. Then the next one sold out, sold out. It practically goes through sold out for Rod Stewart. And he's 70. He's still doing the business and he's still got all these dates which take him up to December. He finishes in uh, December in Glasgow at the SSE Hydro. The first one he's doing there is sold out. He's there three days later. That's not sold out yet, but I bet you anything, by the time this advert hits the papers today, he'll, he'll, he'll have sold out all of them. That's the way of the world. Rod Stewart still pulling it in. And it's from Gasoline Alley to uh, another country. lot to get through. It's uh, 13 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Leading Britain's Conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday. Welcome to your weekend. You're allowed to stand on a chair, open the window and go, woohoo! Don't all do it at the same time. Uh, they found a card cheat in a casino. I was talking about this the other day to a friend of mine. People who um, card count. It is possible to do it. So, in other words, they know where the cards are in the deck. Uh, but they're very adept in casinos at spotting people who do this. Um, mainly the people who are spotting them are magicians. <laughs> they're sort of magicians who know exactly what to look for. This is a poker player. He won £80,000 by cheating. Uh, he was using sleight of hand. He's a Russian. His name's Valery Mikhailitz. And he was arrested after winning £57,000 at the Palm Beach Casino in Mayfair. In 2014, he skipped bail and he disappeared off to Finland, where they caught him and he was extradited back. He originally comes from Moscow. He admitted cheating at gambling at Southwark Crown Court. So bearing in mind, he cheated and he got near as damn it, £60,000. Now, there's probably loads of people who cheat. They generally catch them quite quickly. They aren't too difficult to catch. He was ordered to pay an £86,000 fine, so he cheated sixty. an £86,000 fine, £57,025 in compensation, which was the money he stole from them, and also a deprivation of property order of £50,000, and sorry, £893 in costs. So he's actually well down on the deal. More fool him. But, uh, it's, it's the money. No point sending him to prison. Let's get the money back. And, of course, if he doesn't pay the money, they'll throw him in prison. He can stay there and rot, as far as I'm concerned. It's, sort of, it's people who think that they can cheat the system, but they're not very, they're not very good at it. And he's, he's not very good at it. Uh, thank you to, uh, to Dennis, who says, Nathan Carter, very popular, popular country and western singer over here, and he sent me a, a wee taste as well of Wagon Wheel. Obviously, Wagon Wheel's terribly popular, and I'll have to, uh, to download that a little bit later on, because in the studio system, I can't actually do it, and uh, my research is terribly busy putting together at the moment the best of Steve Allen, which uh, takes forever, as you can well imagine, trying to find funny bits on the programme, humorous bits, bits where I've had a little bit of a rant, and, uh, and, we, and, we, and I kind of leave it up to here. Leave it up to him, actually. It's so much easier that way. Uh, who needs commitment? Just about everybody. Just about everybody. And it was talking about Taylor Swift. Uh, there's also a lovely little picture of a little uh, panda cub. And this is in Belgium's Wildlife Park. People were talking about pandas and how they're endangered. In um, China, they're terribly successful at breeding pandas. They have this panda farm where the staff go around dressed as pandas so that the pandas don't see humans. So whenever they go in to feed babies or anything else like that, they've got to put on these white outfits with panda faces on so that the panda thinks it's another panda, so that they don't have any human contact at all because eventually they want to put them back into the wild. And it works very well. Over here, we're sort of averagely successful, but we rent pandas from the Chinese for some huge amount of money, millions, I think. We can rent pandas for our zoos, but we don't keep them. They're just on loan because they work on the assumption that if you spend a couple of million on a panda, you will bring that in in revenue and it will do very well indeed. Uh, here's a guy called Amadou Gillen. He bought a scratch card uh, and a packet of cigarettes on his break. Uh, the first one he, he, he bought, he, he came to Britain 20 years ago and he bought two £10 cards. Somebody told me these are the cards where you can win a lot of money. 
And so, of course, I mean, I would not like to encourage you to gamble. If you're going to gamble, do it responsibly. But these are £10 cards. The first one, he actually got £10 on. The second one, he scratched away at it. And it was worth £4 million. So he, he just calmly put it in his pocket and went back to work. What else are you going to do? Woohoo! £4 million. And he completed his shift at a pub in Trowbridge. He said, I didn't finish until 11.30pm or 12, so I had to work almost four hours knowing I'd won. I don't know how I did it. He's a kitchen manager. He was so excited, he made a call back to relatives in Gambia, but only to say he'd got lucky. He's a former McDonald's trainee. He's a single dad who's got daughters aged 22 and 19. He now plans to swap his one-bedroom flat in Trowbridge for a three-bedroom house and buy a, a Peugeot. A Peugeot. It's nice, isn't it? That was really four million pounds on a scratch card. That'll encourage you. I bet you anything. Be people listening now going a ten pound scratch card. Yeah, it exists. It exists. And the odds are sort of I don't know if they're somewhat better at whatever it is. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day who actually had bought some of these cards, and I said, oh, ten pounds. What I want to buy? No, I'm not buying them. I'm not going to buy a scratch card at ten pounds. It's far too depressing. Far too depressing. <laughs> Phil Vickery is with us this morning. He would have been with us yesterday morning, but he was in the car. He was driving back from uh, from Devon, and of course, yesterday was the day that we were talking about um, jellied eels and uh, and pie and mash, and which one was the best shop. And in fact, even my friend Paul Cooper said he didn't know there were that many pie and mash shops out there. Loads of them. Loads of them. Which is good. He said, I did listen to the whole show driving back from Cornwall. Really wanted to join in the debate. Back to it tomorrow. So that's, uh, that's <laughs> back to it. See, it's, that's the most frustrating thing, isn't it? If you listen to a radio programme. And there's people who listen to loads of radio programmes. And, and you think, oh, I really need to do something about it. But I'm driving, so I can't. You just have to kind of listen from afar. Very, very strange, isn't it? Very strange. Uh, somebody who says, I live in Essex. Uh, this, is, um, this is Robert. He says, I'm an immigrant from Berkshire. Lord above, honestly, you've moved well, haven't you? Berkshire to Essex. Actually, I like both, because I used to live in Berkshire, too. And, of course, lots of relatives in Essex. But I was born in Bromley, which is in Kent. So I kind of encompass all three. He says, Slough's in Berkshire, is it? OK, let's take Slough out of the occasion and Berkshire out of the occasion. Let's not bother. There are some nice places in, in Berkshire. Further away from Slough, the better, of course. But, uh, Newbury's quite nice, but that, that's changed a bit over the years. Uh, where else is nice in Berkshire? Places by, by the Thames. That's good. Maidenhead. Bray. And um, where else have we got? Henley-on-Thames. Is that Berkshire? That's Oxfordshire, isn't it? Just on the borders. That's quite pretty. That's quite nice. I don't know where I'd want to live, though. Given, given the choice... Of, I spoke to a friend of mine the other day who's made so much money on their house. And when I say so much money, we're talking like millions. They've made millions of pound profit. And they said, you know, I might just sort of sell up and go and buy somewhere, somewhere else. And I said, oh, right. Because um, they live in London at the moment. But they also quite fancy living in America. And I thought, well, you know, with all this sort of money, you could actually, uh, you could actually, you know, buy a super place. But for what you spend on a place in London, if you were, if you were rich enough, and I appreciate I'm only talking to probably about 2 or 3% of you, but if you're lucky enough to own a multi-million pound house in London, if you go out uh, of London, if you go out to Berkshire or Oxfordshire or Surrey or places like that, for like 3 million, you can buy a huge place. I mean, seriously, I looked at a place the other day, only jokingly looked at it, you know, I just like to look, and it's at a state out in, I think it's Oxford, 3.49 million. It's like an Edwardian mansion. 
You know, and they showed you the interior, and I looked, I thought, God, that's nice. That's really... You can live out of town. They said it's secluded. It's got paddocks, a swimming pool, indoor and outdoor. Beautiful garden, landscape. Got everything going for it. And you think, why would you want to have a place in Knightsbridge? Unless you really... I mean, I've seen places in Knight... I've looked at them. Don't get me wrong. I've looked at places in Mayfair. Not to buy, just to look and see what you get for your £20 million. And I did look at one for £14 million, And that looked quite nice. I kept thinking £14 million, But I thought, if you win £40 million, Fourteen million would be nothing to spend on anything. So all you got to do, I mean, it, it's great fun to do to see, you know, how much you're going to get for your money out of town. And you can go to any of the any of the websites of the big of the big places, you know, the Knight Franks and Hamptons and Savills and places like that. Other estate agents do matter, and you just and you just have a look through what they've got. Oh God, you get some super places. But why would you be not be cramped on top of people when you can have the open of the countryside, which is absolutely lovely? Phil Vickery says Goddard's, I filmed in once, very tasty. Is that another pie and mash? The only thing we couldn't cope with yesterday were eels. We decided that eels were a big no-no for everybody. And at one time, they used to put the eel sauce into the liquor that went on the pie, and that filled us with horror. We weren't sure about that yet. But the amount of uh, places we had to check that had closed... And, uh, and then opened up, and then there are a few other places that people said, don't, don't bother going anywhere near them. But anyway, so sorry about that. So Robert is an immigrant from Berkshire. He said, a few years ago, and at great expense and inconvenience, a cycle path was put in on a road through a small village of Rettenden. The road is now narrowed, and the cyclists mostly, mostly ignore the bike track, clogging up the road most weekends. We get, them, we get them around our way. We get them with their special helmet on as they go up there with their Go Faster stripes and all the rest of it. And we always go, how lovely. And if you go around Regent's Park on a Sunday morning, you can't move for cyclists. Seriously. But they aren't the little poodle-poodle along with a basket on the front with sort of, you know, their little pannier on the back and a, and a baguette and some cheese they bought from the, from the local shop. No, these are serious cyclists. Serious. You know, Bradley Wiggins used to train. Well, it's difficult to tell what they look like. They've all got these sort of plastic helmets on. So, of course, typical, isn't it? Phil Vickery loves eels. Love, love, love it. I couldn't, I, even looking at the picture of them, I thought it was horrendous. Coming up to the news at five o'clock this morning, being Friday, Paul Gambaccini says the wrong Tony was sacked. He thinks the bloke who runs the BBC should have been fired. The BBC have joined rank. What are you talking about? No idea at all, honestly. And uh, he says it shouldn't have been Tony Blackburn. Uh, the flood threat to the Mona Lisa. Apparently the Seine has riven, risen by about five, three metres, something like that. It's a lot. It really is. You know, the drains can't cope with it or anything like that. The Twitter backlash as a middle-class couple, well, the woman anyway, claims they can't live on £200,000 a year. Oh, it's dreadful, isn't it? Really, it's different. How are you coping, love? And, of course, we name and shame this morning. The nighttime vandal. And who's going to inherit? I think it's Belvoir Castle. Certainly not the girls. It goes to the boy. The girls are the wild party animals. He's the sensible one. He gets the gig. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. I'm now getting addicted to the Marmite popcorn. Slowly, slowly but surely. Because I've discovered, actually, in between the ad breaks, I can, I can pop a little piece in my mouth and it keeps me going. It's going to make me ill, I know, I can just tell, actually. But I'm, at the moment, I'm getting through it quite nicely, which is good. Nice to be company. Welcome along to Steve Allen's Early Breakfast Show on LBC, Friday the 3rd of June, 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. We put everything in on the programme, so all of your texts and uh, emails. Uh, it's fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. The plastic fibre that won't tear stain will turn to mush. Uh, King Tut's burial dagger came from outer space. The counterfeit Viagra... And Joey Essex, <coughs> excuse me, turns up 
at the Tatler party. What on earth for? Ridiculous. Honestly, absolutely ridiculous. I've never anything like it. They must have had some sort of some sort of joke going on, I think. Hilarious. And um, and then somebody called Sam. Let's have a look at Sam. What does Sam look like? Oh, Sam's a bit uh, a bit ill. Says, uh, how can this man be pulling in more listeners? I don't know. Mystery to all of us, actually, Sam. I'm looking at your picture. You're a bit remedial, aren't you? But, uh, yeah, it does. I can't, I can't deny success. What can I do about it? I can't deny the fact that the audience figures don't lie. We do pull in the figures. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But hilarious for you, I should imagine. And then says, I'll be wheeling a wheelbarrow of money home. I know, and the more of you write to me, the more money I get, Sam. So I've just got more money. Oh, I don't know what to do with it. Where do we begin, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Poor old Sam. Lonely in Kingston, I think. That'll just, just about sum them up there, actually. And also, you need to buy a new phone now, incidentally. Just thought I'd tell you that now. Smoked eel, says Pat, in a salad is gorgeous. I'm sure Phil Vickery would agree. No, I'm, I'm absolutely sorry. I looked at... There was a piece in Country Life this week. Um, and, uh, and, and it had eels there. They also had caviar from... Not from Russia... From this cut, from the New Forest, I think, or something like that. They were talking about it's farmed secretly. And, um, and they had eels, because I think baby eels are called elvers. And they can climb up walls. They can climb... I can't remember why they were climbing up a wall. And then it showed you different ways of, uh, act, pardon me, actually doing eels and cooking them. I thought, how disgusting, how absolutely dreadful. Couldn't think of anything worse, actually, than eating eels. But uh, people like them. People like them. Uh, apparently, according to uh, Gideon's Way, uh, the abandoned Japanese lad, it's uh, Yamoto Tanuka, police have now said the parents could face charges for negligence. Well, I mean, I absolutely agree they should. In a wooded area, on a hillside, a seven-year-old boy turfed out the car. All right, you get badly behaved children. And what you have to do is you have to sort of think of something else. He was throwing stones at cars. And so they just left him. They originally said he wandered off, which, of course, was a blatant lie. And... Um, and so, consequently, uh, when they did find him after a search involving God knows how many hundreds of people, because you're looking for an area and they'd found uh, fresh bear prints and everything else. I mean, had a bear found a seven-year-old boy, it'd have killed him. There's no two ways about it. So I agree, the parents should be charged with, with negligence. But luckily, Japan's quite good on short, sharp shock treatment, which I like. I quite like. Uh, what else have we got in the papers today? Uh, former Calabro singer Richard Hadfield has confirmed... He's quit the group. Oh, we did that days ago. That's very old. I think, I think actually, the, uh, the bizarre column hosted by some bizarre New Zealand bloke um, is just full of press releases. That's all it is now. He just sits down and shuffles them around. It's, uh, it's a bit dull and de- dreary, actually. But um, he gave the, uh, the bandmates the news. This is Richard Hadfield. We know that. He walked off stage after they'd done Britain's Got Talent and walked out. We know that. That's old news. I'll tell you, some of these columns, they need to change them for younger people who are more in touch. They've got lazy. It's because they want to appear on television. And then they turn up not being very good on television. But he's spoken about the move in an exclusive interview. As I say, go out on the street, say to people, Richard Hadfield, nine out of ten people, if not ten out of ten, go, who? Richard Hadfield. Do you know who he is? No, in an exclusive interview. An exclusive, because he's talked to everybody, I should imagine. He says, we've, uh, unfortunately, the past few years have been difficult for myself. We're meeting to discuss a statement to release as a band. Who cares? Who cares? Somebody leaves a band? Get on with it. There's been some fantastic moments, but it's uh, lots of issues now and all the rest of it. So um, he revealed that they've fallen out. They were angered by their producer's decision to have him sing lead vocals on their record. Well, if he was the best one in the group, you can't argue with that, can you? Why not keep it as that? But, of course, they didn't like it, so obviously they're very precious as a group, but it is funny. Watch them back on their very first time. 
their very first time on um, on Britain's Got Talent. And you could see the look on Simon Cowell's face, which is tantamount to, I can make money out of this group. <laughs> and th- then you check out all their things that they've done uh, with the help of, uh, of Simon. And it's worked very well for them. Uh, worked very, very well. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, we had the, um, there was the thing about, they were trying to find out about the nighttime car vandals. Cars that the brake pipes had been cut. And they couldn't quite work out what it was. They thought it was some local vandal in the neighbourhood. Well, it was, but not of the human making. It was a fox, which was eating the cable. Well, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have the faintest idea what the brake cable was. I wouldn't have the faintest idea. I'm not supposed to know things like that. I can put in coolant, and I can probably put in... I can do petrol, and I can do air, and that's it. I can't do anything else. Why would I want to? That's what we have garages for. That's what we have experts for. It's like, you know, you can always tell when people go to hairdressers, and the hairdresser goes, well, who cut this the last time? And they go, oh, can you do this? And they like, yeah. And it turns out they've actually done it themselves. Or failing that, they've been to somebody who was cheaper, and then they've had to go back for somebody else to try and rescue their hair. Never do things that they're experts about. You know, if there's somebody who actually repairs cars, it's called a garage, you take it to them. You wouldn't, you wouldn't dream of sort of doing it yourself, would you, unless you were really tight and you were mean. You'd have to, you'd have to go to the expert. You'd go to the expert, let them, them do it, and then you pay accordingly. You know, some of us pay a lot accordingly. I mean, I need two new tyres. Not just yet, but I will need two new tyres. Well, that's 600 quid straight off. You know, so we're talking about how expensive it is to send the kids to nursery school. You try running a car. In this day and age, it's very expensive. So perhaps that woman was right. Perhaps that woman was right. It is very difficult to live on £200,000 a year. Very difficult, especially if you live in poor old Kingston. I mean, there, you'd have to have to exist on that, wouldn't you? I would think so. I could be wrong, actually. Uh, 84850, steve uk, And uh, another one here. Oh, the Sainsbury's banana offer farce. Uh, was the sign detailing the offer was handwritten and the way it was worded it could be interpreted a certain way and some bloke ended up with a full pallet of bananas for about threepence and he was giving away free bananas yes I remember that. I, all I remember is it was bananas and I can't remember anything else about it which I thought was uh, was, was very funny actually <laughs> and um, another one here 84850 steve at uk. Uh, somebody else talking about the Priory story, saying, have you read it? I did read it. I thought the Priory... So this is the place where you go if you if you want to be a recovering person from addictions or everything. I don't know too much about them. I know it's a group. There's quite a few of them. But uh, they were slammed for neglect the other day, which doesn't bode well for them, does it really, over the accidental death of a girl at one of their clinics. An inquest heard that this 14-year-old girl told staff she wanted to end her life on the day she died, after tying a scarf around her neck in the room, staff failed to risk assess her and missed chances to take her scarf. They were also too slow to react when she was found at the clinic in East Sussex. The jury ruled her death in 2012 was contributed to by neglect. And if you're paying these sort of prices at the uh, the Priory, I mean, they say lessons are to be learnt, you know, and this and that. They should have spotted this. Somebody says they're going to commit suicide and they're wearing a scarf. Hello? You'd have to have some pretty thick staff, wouldn't you, not to realise that something something untoward could be about to take place. You definitely don't sort of encourage things like that. Hopefully they've seen the error of their ways. And uh, then we had loads of you writing in after the train story we did, saying that if you get off a train on certain tickets before your stop, you, know, you might look out the window and go, oh, this looks pretty, I'll get off here and then walk to the next one. You get fined. You get fined. You need to check very carefully what the terms and conditions are of your ticket. 
Because I got tons of you. I mean, literally, I've never known so many... I didn't realise it was such a big problem. That you buy a ticket and it goes from, say, Clapham Junction to Tilbury. But if you get off two stops away from Tilbury, they fine you. The ticket... I don't understand it either. The ticket is to take you to Tilbury. And so if you get off before then, you've broken the terms of the contract. And they, and they do you for it. So be very careful. Don't ever think, uh, you know... We're actually going to be sort of getting off here because we can go and do some shopping in this place because we like the sound of it. Somebody said, what about uh, Brexit, Steve? Any opinions? Nothing. Not a thing, I'm afraid. Couldn't, couldn't, no, nothing. Nothing at all. Just zero. I wouldn't even be allowed to, even if I wanted to. And, and I don't want to anyway, so there you go. Uh, there's also these pictures in the... Which paper were these in? Because this was the most amazing set of pictures I think I've ever seen. I think it could be in the... It's in the mirror today. These are photographs from World War One of soldiers. Um, they look as though they're actors dressed up. Seriously, you would never know. These were pictures of soldiers from all these years ago. They were sent in from the front. And what they're hunting is the people. The people in the photograph. Is this one of your relatives? These, pe- these pictures look as though they were taken for the shooting of a, a film about the war. Seriously, they're, they're, they're in colour. The shoulder, the, 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 the soldiers are there. They, they've got some, you know, they know little bits about them. The British West Indies Regiments, the Middlesex Regiments, the Army Service Corps. Uh, Army Service Corps, possibly the Leeds Rifles. Uh, a colonel with a military cross, the Durham Light Infantry, military cross ribbon. They want to know who these people are. And uh, once you've identified your... Re- you should have a look, because A, you won't believe that these are pictures from World War One. They look as though they were taken yesterday. Seriously. It's just, it's absolutely unbelievable. It's like, it's the faces from World War I coming back to life. I mean, obviously all long since dead, but the faces have come back to life now. And if you can identify them, they would like to sort of pay tribute to your relative. Like to pay tribute to all the poor staff at BHS. They've sold you down the river. They've sold you a pup, I'm afraid. 11,000 workers facing the axe. There's a, there was a frantic bid for a rescue deal that failed. The, uh, the people handling the breakup of BHS have said no. They're going to shut all 163 shops. Um, it's, it's very, very sad, actually. And the billionaire, Sir Philip Green, who controversially offloaded the firm last year, is now under pressure to plug the black hole in the pension fund of £571 million. Where's that gone? Where has that gone? Labour's Frank Field said it's a terrible outcome for the 11,000. It is. They'll have no... No fight left in them at all. I think many of them were hoping that there would be a solution, that somebody would come along and take them on. But to be honest with you, there's too much competition on the high street. There's too much... Co- you know, it'd be better off as a Starbucks, to be honest with you. I know in all bit huge Starbucks. I don't know who's going to take on... Some of these shops are huge. The one in Kingston. Poor old Kingston, honestly. It had Sam living in it, and now he's got no friends. And BHS. Perhaps Sam used to shop in BHS. We'll never know. But you look at it and you think, what are they going to do with it? What are they going to do with these shops? You can, I mean, unless you split them up, or... I don't know. I mean, they're, they're far too big to be taken on, unless it's going to be a Primark. But we've already got a Primark. Don't need two Primarks, do we? That would just split the, you know, thing. They're, they're taking enough money, I should imagine, at the other one. I don't know what you could use it for. It'll just sit there empty for ages. They're going to have a closing down sale, and so all of a sudden people will start going into a shop they never bothered with before. Why? Because it was naff. Because it was old-fashioned because it never seemed to have anything you wanted. At one time, you went there for lighting. Now, what do you go there for? Nothing. You just walk through it and go, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. 
So that's why. And the public deserted it. There's always a reason why the public stopped going to a place. It's either because they've fallen out of love with it, or they go, it's too, uh, it's too old-fashioned. And BHS, I'm afraid, needed a name change. It needed some bright window displays. The window displays were just pitifully awful. It's a shame. So 11,000 people, you know, heading up to Christmas. I know, it, you know, how much longer they've actually got before they start closing these places down. There'll be different size ones, but it's sad either way for 11,000 workers facing the axe. And, and they do face the axe. It's not a case, you know, they're not facing it. They, it's going to close. They'd have no deal in place. Quarter past five. It's LBC News time with the latest headlines for you this morning. Rupert Bartier. Oh, I do beg your pardon. It's the travel news, is it? Oh, right. I'd forgotten that, so I'll just tell you it's quarter past five. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from seven. Only on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nick and the team with you from seven o'clock this morning. Don't you so want to call her Angela Merkel? Just to annoy her. But apparently it's Angela. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Arguably the most powerful politician in Europe. Says she hopes the UK will stay in the EU for the benefit of us all. Should the German Chancellor have a say? And will it make any difference? Uh, with that EU referendum less than three weeks away, they'll be joined uh, by the former Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg and the former Foreign Secretary David Miliband, who'll tell you why they think we should remain while Brexit campaigner and UKIP leader Nigel Farage will take your calls. Lord Digby Jones, the crossbench peer and former CBI director, is going to be looking through the papers with Nick today. That's uh, Nick Ferrari and the team from Seven on LBC after the morning news with Hannah Vaughan-Jones. It's nice to be company this morning. Thank you for uh, for choosing LBC. Thank you for choosing this programme. Thank you for choosing this programme, full stop. Uh, Linda says, um, uh, she's from Walton, she said, your Marmite popcorn, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm slowly working my way through the packet, actually. It does seem slightly bizarre, I realise. When I had the first piece, but then, so the producer said, he said, do you like it? I said, well, it's not so much liking it, it's the fact it's here. Uh, the only thing I couldn't eat, and I would love to eat in the morning, is grapefruit. I would love to eat uh, um, segments of grapefruit, but I'm not allowed to eat grapefruit because diabetics. And, um, or felling that, you know, I'd, I'd quite like to eat as well slices of cucumber. <laughs> if somebody put slices of cucumber on a plate, I'd quite happily eat slices of cucumber. I mean, that's making my mouth water thinking about it. Uh, support is flooding in for uh, Muhammad Ali. Uh, doctors are battling with his breathing problems. Um... He's uh, suffering with Parkinson's. He was rushed to hospital. Fans took to social media. They say it's been a year of celebrity deaths. Let's hope it's not too serious. He doesn't look good. Uh, I was looking, you know, at a picture of him in the paper um, with somebody here. His, his spokesman has said he suffers from Parkinson's. He's being treated by a team of, a team of doctors. And uh, all we know is that, um, that he's not very well. He's 75 75 now. But as I say, when you look at him, isn't it funny how, how life, you know, treats different people differently? He's 75 and he looks as though he's on his last legs. Prince Philip, who's 95, has looked like he was on his last legs for years. And yet he's back with the humour, the wit and everything else. So it's still going. Let's wait and see, shall we? Let's wait and see uh, what happens. Uh, he was with uh, Carrie Underwood at a, at a celebrity night dinner. They managed to get him out for a celebrity night dinner and uh, and then off to uh, to hospital. Uh, when I told Johnny he'd kicked you, he cried. He's so sorry he needs help. Sensational claims on top US show. And uh, this is text messages, uh, which they say were sent by Johnny Depp's assistant. Johnny Depp's assistant, whose name is Stephen Deuters, says the messages are fake. He says they've been heavily doctored. Uh, he added that he never mentioned any assault allegations during their marriage. Uh, he also believes the texts are suspicious as they came with no date. 
Uh, Depp's assistant is said to have apologised to Heard in, in one text supposedly sent from him regarding a man alleged to be Depp, she writes, he's done this many times before and I always stay. He said they're fake. Now, listen, I have to believe that. There is no... It just comes from somebody called Stephen. I mean, it, it could be... It could be anybody. It could... It, it proves nothing to me. Nothing at all. But it's an American case. It's got nothing to do with us in this country. We can make as many comments about it as we like, because I'm not Johnny Depp. I'm not fighting this this woman who, to be honest with you, you know when you get a gut feeling about somebody? You get gut feeling. You look at them and you think, I'm just... No, it's all... It all slots in like a little bit of a jigsaw. It's like the police, you know, unravelling a case. And they go, so she makes these allegations that he's tried to attack her. Then when they delve a bit deeper, it turns out she's got no money. She's spending $30,000 a month with an income of eight. And she's asked, I thought it was a bit odd when she first filed for divorce and started asking for this spousal uh, assistance kind of thing, which means that she's expecting him to fork out $34,000. We know that she's a lesbian, because we've got pictures of her with all her girlfriends. So it makes you ask why she got married to him in the first place. Um, his ex-wife has come out and supported him and said he's not like that at all. And she lived with him for 18 years. The daughter has said, that's not my, my dad at all. So is this, is this woman, uh, Amber Heard, is she a liar? Is she a fantasist? Is she somebody who's just trying to get money out of him? Is she a gold digger? Or is she telling the truth? That we have to wait and find out. But uh, now these claims on a show... She's already got... Because in America, they stick them on shows, they stick them on interviews and everything else, and they spout their garbage until they eventually dig their own hole. Eventually, they dig their own hole and they fall into it. And you might find that somebody is being lined up to expose her as a fantasist, somebody who's always looking for... You know, there might be an ex-girlfriend, a disgruntled ex-girlfriend, who say she always said she was looking for a man that she could rip off. We don't know. We have no idea. You know, mine is as much of a, of a, of a fantasy story as hers could be a fantasy story we don't know but all we know is his assistant says these emails these text messages are fake they've been heavily doctored so in other words they might have come for him but it's certainly he didn't say that now whether they can go back into somebody's phone and find them i don't know because if they can then they could uh, they could actually prove it quite quickly as to whether or not she is a fantasist. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk we're still waiting for the Radio Times. We're still waiting for the Radio Times uh, thing. I don't. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not holding out any hope on it at all. But it, it doesn't really matter, does it? In fact, I was nominated. That's, that's, the, that's the good enough thing. I think I might take my money to the bank in a, in a truck this time round. I haven't quite decided, actually, Sam. I think I'll take it in a truck to the bank. <laughs> I think I might go and buy another two Bentleys today. <laughs> there's dumb and then there's dumber. Uh, why? Says so, CC, do people always say lessons will be learned? And yet they never do. No, we all say that when that little little boy was murdered by his lesbian mother and her lover at the age of two years old. And they go, lessons will be learned. Well, they're not, are they, really? They're not. We just read that every time. And that's supposed to make us feel better that it won't ever happen next time round. You know, there won't be another child who's been murdered. You know, that's it. You know, it's it's just... It's the way it goes, isn't it? Way it goes. Uh, another one here, which says, uh, Recyclists, every morning on my way to work uh, along Crane Park Road, certain cyclists persist in using the footpath. Could you please explain that a painted man on a path means it's meant for pedestrians, while, strangely enough, a painted bicycle indicates, says Alan, that it's, um, it's, uh, it's for bicycles. I was called a crazy man after I dared to remonstrate. 
Yeah, I can well imagine, well imagine. Some cyclists are just rude, aren't they? Just very, very rude. But uh, that's the way you go. Stephen, last week's uh, Comet Free paper, the front page was a drawing of the Eden Street shopping mall, which looks like it will also include where BHS Kingston was as well. Yes, I mean, I've been there. I go there loads of times because I go to Kingston shopping on a very regular basis. I also go to visit my money in the bank. I like to stand outside it and think that bank is held up by my money. Uh, as I say, had I not won the lottery years ago, I wouldn't be doing that. But of course, I uh, I have to. I like to do that. Just go in there and just sort of, can you show me the balance? Oh, thank you. And give it back in again. Um, what else do we have here? Oh, yes, Wills' Copter Dash. He's a, he's a helicopter pilot who runs uh, an air ambulance. He works for the air ambulance service, so there's no copter dash at all. It's somebody who called the thing. They then make a decision. Do we send an ambulance or we send a helicopter in? And uh, Prince William, who's an assistant pilot. I don't believe he's piloting this thing himself. I think he's an assistant pilot. He's not medically qualified to do anything. He's just a helicopter pilot. And so because he hasn't actually done anything for the past God knows how long, apart from messing around or horsing around, as they call it, with his, uh, with his brother, two ageing Lotharios together... Uh, He left the aircraft wearing blue rubber gloves, returned for some equipment and then disappeared again. Exactly, because he's not responsible for saving people's lives. But they've put here his dash to save 999 patient. That old codswallop, isn't it? Uh, What really bugs you? They've asked various people. um, And the the main thing that seemed to bug people, and I've never even noticed it before, was Muzak in shops. Muzak in shops. I've never noticed it. Seriously, people were saying the other day, we were having a discussion, I was saying, they re- I'd, I've never noticed, never ever noticed, um, I've never ever noticed music in Marks and Spencers. And people were saying they've been playing it for ages. Well, I've never noticed it. I notice it in lifts. If I get into lifts sometimes, I mean, here, obviously, I get into the lift and there's, there's different radio stations playing. And so that I can understand. But uh, I've never heard music in Marks and Spencer. But somebody said they do. Wilkinson's, yes. Wilkinson's, yes. Paul Cooper's got a truck today. Good Lord. What, different from the usual truck, is it? Quite like the sound of that. I think that's a, that's a nice idea. <laughs> the truck today. To car- oh, to carry the money home. <laughs> it's, always, it's always funny, isn't it, when people talk about money. They would say that there is the couple in the paper today. And uh, she's obviously gone on to social media. And she's said that she cannot live on £200,000 a year. So they go round to the house. They're living in a £680,000 house. Um, They've got a £35,000 car in the drive. And so they knock on the door to ask the husband, um, you know, about your wife's comments. He said, I have no comment to make on what my wife said, which is a bit embarrassing, really, because it makes them look even more stupid now, because, uh, because she was saying she couldn't live... I'll find it in a second. She couldn't live on £200,000 a year. I would have thought most of you could live on £200,000 a year, probably quite quite happily. She can't, because there is the problem of sort of kids at school and, and that kind of stuff. And you think, but it's £200,000 a year. You must be able to live on it. I mean, that's... Even after... If, if that's before tax... Oh, it could be before tax. But after tax, you could still do it, couldn't you? Could you not still manage on that, something like that? Producer could. But there again, he lives on Thruppence Hapney. Goodness sake. Still to come, I've got nowhere to shave my lags. The trans cons beauty gripe. It is prison we're talking about here. In a moment, the LBC News Time, 5.30, and it promised... Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. 27 minutes to uh, to six. Carla says, uh, maybe Sam could help you take your money to the bank. Really rub her nose in it. I know, (laughs) so sad, isn't it, really? So sad. Apparently, it's a big Euro Millions jackpot tonight. 
Thank you. I don't need it. Seriously, I'm not going to buy a ticket for it. That would just be silly, wouldn't it? Adding millions to millions. It would just be crazy. Oh, I've got a name for you. Try, try to go with me on this one. Because it's... Uh, her name's... She, she's going into the Big Brother house next week. Apparently, it's that soon. So, uh, you know, is there anybody we can think of we wouldn't want to see in there? Laura Carter. There you go. Rack your brain on that one. Laura Carter. Who can she possibly be? Laura Carter. I had no idea. Do you know who she turns out to be? She turns out to be a model, aren't they all? I think that's the name for somebody who wants to get their boobs out. And she had a threesome with Justin Bieber. That, that's her claim to fame. Dear God in heaven. We might as well go down the Reaper Barn and drag in a few hookers. They must have slept with some famous people. So anyway, here she is. And uh, she romped with him after a game of Truth or Dare. You see, I always end up with a packet of ginger nuts. I don't, I don't do the Truth or Dare thing. Anyway, Laura who's previously appeared on E4's Young, Free and Single. Oh, God, you can imagine how ghastly she is, can't you? She looks set to spill even more details about the fling. A source said, even though Laura was really complimentary about Justin and his performance, he's still bound to be worried. He won't have the faintest idea who she is. Not a clue. Not a, They'll say, Laura Carter? Uh, no, Steve, no, no. Uh, you went out with her. Did I? He won't know who she is. She's just another bimbo who's, who's making her fame on somebody else's back. Or stomach. Or anywhere else, I should imagine. I mean, how sadly tragic. She's already been on Young, Free and Single. You know what a bunch of old dregs that pushes up onto the television, doesn't it, really? Really, really quite awful. I felt a bit sorry for her, really. But, uh, but no, not as half as sorry as we did at the beginning of the programme that Jessica Wright wants to go on to a book, Bush Tucker trial and I'm a celebrity in order to show fans her true personality. In other words, all the garbage she's been feeding you on, uh, on TOWIE over the years, the crying and the bimbo stuff, that, that's not really her. There's another her as well. Hope it turns out to be a bloke. Make it so much easier for us, wouldn't it, really? Uh, perhaps she could be trans. Because everybody's trans in this day and age, including people in prison. There's obviously a load of them. There must be loads and loads of people in prison because the story that reached the papers and tempted me this morning was of people who are in prison who are trans and they're not getting what they want. And the things that they're not getting uh, are shavers so they can do their legs. Uh, also, the right sort of makeup. And you think to yourself... You are in prison, aren't you? You're in prison because you've broken the law. I couldn't care less whether you're trans, bisexual, gay, black, white... Se- I'm really not interested. It's the fact that you're a crook and you're in prison for a reason. And if you're in there, you have to sort of suffer. That's the whole idea of prison. We have to make it so that you don't abuse ever again and you don't sort of get yourself into trouble. Basically, we're trying to educate you. But a group of ten, it's obviously quite common... Uh, have complained to their governor. So it's obviously, they're all in the same prison. There's ten. About the lack of access to quality cosmetics and hair dye. They've been very vocal about their rights to live as women. I'm sorry, you're a prisoner. You're a crook. A report by the Independent Monitoring Board praised the men's prison for efforts to meet the needs of transgender inmates. It said lags were allowed to wear bras, knickers, dresses and makeup. Concerns centred around the unavailability delivery of suitable makeup, hair dye and privacy in showers. A jail source said transgender prisoners are very vocal. Of course they are, they're men. Of course they're vocal. They're going to be very vocal. And they want it. Do you know how many there are? Out of 85,000 lags, that's the new word they're using, incidentally, there are 100 transgender inmates. So they've all been in for thieving makeup or something like that. And so they want it in there now. They want separate showers. I mean, it's kind of... 
don't do the crime, don't have to do the time. And uh, But we've seen some, some pretty ropey people, but they're in prison. It's supposed to be a punishment. It's not a holiday camp, girls. Not a holiday camp. And, uh, and thus it should be there. Uh, Steve, I'm getting fed up with the Prime Minister. Well, you know, everybody gets fed up with people, don't they? Probably fine. people get fed up with Jesus at times. But, uh, in fact, we, I was in the, show, was in the Paul Cooper shop the other day, briefly. And, um, and a lady came in. She was a tiny lady. And she was, uh, oh, it was a nice shop, blah, blah, blah. Chatting away. And, uh, and then and I, I got sort of talking to her. Not really uh, anything particular. Just say, oh, it's nice, you know, people come in. I said, oh, where, where? She said, I've not been here for years. I said, oh, where do you live? She said, Teddington. I said, it's only down the road, dear. I thought, like, Teddington's the moon or something like that. And then out of nowhere, she went, oh, I've got a leaflet for you. And I thought, oh, promote a local car boot or something like that. No, no, it was, uh, it was, it was the Mormons. She was <laughs> giving a leaflet about the Mormons. I went, thank you. She said, oh, I've got one for your friend as well. Oh, Lord, she's got leaflets. She's got leaflets. And, you know, we avoid people with leaflets. And then blow me down. Over the road, there were people... Uh, we must have the Mormons touring at the moment. Two of them. One white, one black. And they were stopping people to sell them Bibles. I mean, I haven't seen that for ages. Normally we have something that goes on at the Twickenham Stadium. But uh, these ones were walking down the street, literally stopping everybody. Which I thought was illegal. I don't think you're allowed to stop people like that. That's, you know, it's good. Would you like to be friends with Jesus? Not particularly today. No, I need to go and get some Kentucky Fried Chicken. And they were walking out. And I watched them stopping and talking to about four different people. And I said then, I said, oh, they're back in town again. It's the Bible bashers. If you want to do the Bible, you can do the Bible. It's your business. You can't be persuaded to do it, although some people obviously like a good chat on the, uh, on the street. Uh, Steve, says Tom, bring back the rope for justice and, uh, and closure. The system is too st- soft because of the Human Rights Act. Well, the people you've got in this country at the moment uh, who've come from EU countries, murderers, paedophiles and rapists. One of them raped three times. We can't send him back. Why? Because that would uh, deny him the right to family life. What about the people that he's, he's committed violent acts against? Apparently, they don't really care about them. They're not bothered. They find lawyers now who defend this uh, stuff. Until, of course, I should imagine one of the lawyer's family gets raped or murdered by somebody, and then they might change their idea about it. But you're right, there's too many of these people here, and we can't get rid of them. Was it Nick Ferrari the other day getting a bit... Uh, a bit overwrought with the fact that we had a one-legged Albanian here on various charges. We can't get rid of him, and he's on £500 a month or something. Small wonder they want to come here. Small wonder we hand them money, and he's got a house. Living better than many of you, I shouldn't wonder. But, of course, we don't want to deny him the right to a family in this country, do we? Uh, Out this morning, water in the baskets. You know what? Not because it's been sunny, because, believe you me, it's not been sunny, but it's been windy. And as the baskets sway backwards and forwards, as anybody will tell you, including living decor, um, it's a case of they dry out. And I thought, I didn't leave them a day. So I was out there this morning, quarter to two, water in the baskets. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Another one here. I don't like the shops where they play the music too loud. And it is just a load of noise, says Ben. Do you know, I I can't remember the last time I walked into a shop, apart from... Uh, Wilkinson's, who play all the old 60s hits. And sometimes I quite like that in there, actually. I do. I do like that a lot. I do like that a lot. But it's, uh, but I, I don't remember ever hearing anything in Marks and Spencer's. If they're doing it, it must be really, really quiet, because I'm not hearing it. Perhaps I'm going deaf. Sorry? Probably. I don't know. We'll wait and find out, won't we? Uh, what else we got here? Best haircut. Apparently, five pounds Says Millie, that's in Tony and Guy's Academy. Yeah, this is people who are training, isn't it, to, ha- to be hairdressers, and they have special nights. I think they do them in most of the big salons, 
most of the big salons. I think um, Glory Honeyford's uh, husband, he has exactly the same in his salon in New Bond Street. And they do exactly the same, where, you know, people are learning to have a haircut, but as opposed to 50 quid, you get it for a fiver, but it's done by a trainee under supervision. And that's what a lot of people do. It's, a, it's the cheapest way of doing it, because women really suffer, really suffer. Uh, strolling through uh, Singapore, as you do, is Matthew. And he says, I saw the tea room at the Four Seasons. I thought you may enjoy it. Thank you. I like, I like a tea room, actually. You, you won't find me not liking a tea room. I like a tea room. That's a nice picture. You're obviously listening to the programme on your headphones and you've got the designer stubble. Always goes down well, doesn't it? Designer stubble. We like designer stubble. I can't, I can't actually do it myself, but it, it seems to work for most people. <laughs> 84850, uk. Time check? No, not really. Well, sort of, all right. Grudgingly, 18 minutes to six. Uh, Steve, have you thought of having your money changed into washable fivers? So you could go swimming, have a bath and play sports while keeping it with you. He says, I don't give a damn what you're paid. I know, it's got nothing to do with anybody, has it, Robert? Honestly, why are people so, so funny about what other people earn? Honestly, poor old Sam is one of those jealous types. You know, the sort of person who probably doesn't have anything. And so when anybody else talks about, you know, Richard's creases and things like that, they take it all very seriously because they're, because they're just sad. They're just, you can't help them. It's not their fault. Uh, somebody, uh, Ian Collins must have been talking about the school run last night. He was. I st- I, I, sometimes I get text messages which come through hours after he's finished. About, oh, congestion. Oh, it's school run. Absolutely, definitely. I stood, yes, was it yesterday? No, it must have been about a couple of weeks ago, by the bus stop outside uh, Twickenham Railway Station. And um, I was watching all the cars going by because there's two sets of traffic lights which you're coming up to if you're coming into Twickenham. And the amount of four by fours, mum driving and one little kid in the front. They can get the bus. What is it with these silly people who are taking kids to school? You know, make them get the bus. Every other parent seems to manage it, apart from some of these stupid people. They can walk. Make them walk. They've got legs. God gave them legs. Make them walk. Never seen anything so ridiculous. Apparently it's what? Uber's causing it. Is it really? God, blimey, honestly. It gets worse and worse. But no, you know, mothers who take little children to school, which is bad for them, as you know, or perhaps you don't know, I'll tell you that now, because that means when they get to school, they're half asleep. Whereas if they've actually had, you know, that sort of, that trauma of trying to get themselves onto a packed train and everything else, then they can meet their friends. Perhaps your children don't have any friends. But shove them onto the bus. There's loads of little kids on the bus every morning. They'll talk to each other. And then you get the silly ones who sit in their parents' car. They go, I'm just dropping them off at school. Well, don't. So angry with people doing it. And what is going on? It's ridiculous. Um, the other story is that uh, four in ten fellas will bunk off work to watch sport this summer. What is it about men bunking off to watch sport? Why don't you just take the radio with you or something like that? Have it plugged in? As long as you do your day job, that's OK, isn't it? When you can, you can listen to whatever it is you enjoy listening to. I see people constantly sitting on trains listening. I often wonder if they're listening to a download of this programme. The chances are they uh, they probably are, actually. They probably are listening to a download from this programme. It's either be the, uh, the free podcast, which we give you every single day, Monday through Friday, and um, one here. And this is, this is for... Oh, wait a minute, I've got the wrong blooming thing. I've just, just hit the wrong button. Sorry, let me just go back, actually. Uh, poor old Luke, not with it in the real world. He says, how can Al- an Albanian live better than you on £16 a day, 500 a month? I'm working, sonny boy. I'm working for a living. He's not working for a living. He's sponging. He's sponging. He's a convicted criminal. He shouldn't be in this country. It's got nothing to do with that. It's called thieving.
which you'd probably know all about it, I should imagine. Uh, so, again, we have to help you out of your dilemma a little bit this morning. Yeah, Nick Ferrari did that yesterday. We're not actually doing, you know, doing anything like that. We don't. That's a day-old programme, so we don't do that anymore. Apparently, I could come and be a model at Mint, which is in Twickenham, because it's free. Although, frankly, I mean, there's not really a lot you can do with my hair, as Danny will tell you. There really isn't. I mean, even even people question, excuse me, when I say, I'm just going to the uh, to the hairdressers. Cash is going to cut my hair. And they look at me in disbelief. Anthony looks at me and John. And I go, having your hair cut? And I go, yes. You know, and they go, what hair? I go, this hair, excuse me. You know, just because I've got it cut short because it's called fashion does not mean I do not need to go to the hairdresser. Because once it gets in my eyes... That's when it's ridiculous, so we don't do things like that. So I go to the hairdresser regularly. But they always say the same thing. You go to the hairdresser. Yep, I go to the hairdresser. Just to tidy myself up, make myself look even more attractive. You know, when you're talking to the bank manager about, you know, should you buy another £10 million house or not? I don't know, you know. We just have to do it. It's, uh, well, sort of, just gone, well, a little bit. 14 minutes to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Oh, I must apologise. I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. I better correct it very quickly, otherwise I get myself into trouble. The Albanians on five hundred quid a week, not a month. Five hundred a week, twenty-four thousand pound a year. Crook, no crook. Crook, no crook. Come on, five hundred pound a week. I'm so sorry, I got it wrong. I thought it was five hundred a month. Good God in heaven! There you go, Luke. Makes your argument even more stupid now, doesn't it? Really. £500 a week in benefits. God, we must be stupid. Uh, Colette says, you have your eyebrows and ears trimmed at the hairdresser. They offer that as a service. Did you know that? If you go to a proper barber, a proper barber, they'll always say, would you like your eyebrows trimmed? And a lot of people have it trimmed and they do your ear hair. I have a machine. I have a machine, which is so much easier. Everybody does it now, don't they? I mean, it's very unusual to see men with hair coming out of their ears unless they've really lost the will to live. The only one I always thought who really needed his eyebrows trimmed was Dennis Healy. Dennis Healy used to have more hair on his eyebrows than was on his head. It was phenomenal. And you do see people... I think, who was the other one? Was it Ingham, Bernard Ingham? Again, used to have these bushy eyebrows, which almost looked like shelves. I mean, they were enormous. You think you could have them trimmed, make yourself look attractive. You don't want to look as ridiculous as that poor creature on, uh, on Towie, Bobby Norris Cole, or whatever his name is. I mean, he just looks like Ming the Merciless, poor soul. Still single. Big surprise there. Um... And I do remember, yes, Leonard uh, Brezhnev, wasn't it? Was it Bre- he used to have really funny eyebrows. Why did, I think it's only a recent thing, within a few years, that men have their eyebrows and ears trimmed. And, uh, and it's, become, it's become the latest thing. They automatically offer it in every hairdresser now. I mean, he had eyebrows to die for. I mean, look at them. I mean, dear Lord above, they curled up on the inside. They looked like they were, they were sort of, you know, he was out of a Hammer horror film. And here he is. Leonid Brezhnev. Scary eyebrows, they were, but bedecked with medals and everything else. Long since dead, isn't it? When did he die? He must have... I remember seeing all these people on the television. Whereas if you look at Putin, Putin spends a lot of time riding horses with his shirt off. It's very sort of... Uh, very sort of gay-friendly, I think. Leonardo died in... 19, uh, 1982, Leonid Brezhnev. Did he really? 1982. Good God. You remember it. Born in the Ukraine... And uh, and died eighty two. Actually, same year as uh, as his wife. Unless unless the no, wait a minute, it doesn't say she died, does it? It just says the spouse was Victoria. Eighty two was obviously she died ninety five in Moscow. God, the sad fall they say of Brezhnev's widow. 
86, they said, you know, when she was uh, when she was dying. It's, I've never expressed any interest to go and live in Moscow. I nearly got a free trip there once, years ago. And I thought it'd be quite nice to go and visit. But there's so much corruption in the place. And they used to say, if you go to Moscow, take jeans. They said, before, they said, they can't get jeans. And it was like bartering. I've got jeans. I've got je- Don't all rush. Don't all rush. I've got jeans. They only fit me. And people go, I buy them. I buy them. And that was what the, the currency was. Now... You know, the oligarchs can't get their money out of the country fast enough so they can buy up over here and they sit here on their billions. And we ask the question, but where did you get the money from? You know, there's a lot of crookery going on. I quite like to sort of go, but on the other hand, I'm really not that particularly fussed about it either way. It doesn't make any difference to me. 84850 uk. Uh, pocket money. When, when do you stop having pocket money? Now, I thought it was probably around 15. 15 was when I probably stopped having pocket money. When I went to school, uh, I got pocket money. I can't remember how much my parents gave me. I can remember at one time it was 12 and a half pence a week. This is back in the year 1900 and frozen to death. And it was two and sixpence a week. Lots of elderly people going, I remember two and sixpence. 12 and a half pence, that was. And you could buy quite a lot. The only thing we ever bought with our pocket money was sweets. I don't think we ever thought about buying anything else at all. You didn't need to save up for your clothes because your parents bought your clothes. And that was a lot of money. How much do you think pocket money is nowadays? I was horrified. I know it's gone up a little bit, but they say on average it's £6.55 a week per child. (laughs) £6.55, that's ridiculous. A survey of 1,200 children. Children in London got £8.21, while those in East Anglia... Received the least at £4.96. A fiver a week. A fiver a week pocket money. And what do you... I mean, you know, some people are very good. My, uh, my... Two of my godchildren are very good at saving their money. One of my godchildren is not very good at saving money. But they enjoy spending it because it's, it's good fun, isn't it? People like spending money. But that £5 a week... Good God, I used to dream of £5 a week. In fact, I didn't even know what £5 a week was. No idea at all. No idea. But, uh, but interesting. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Uh, Les says some uh, M&Ss do play music. I think it came from the heart of one of your sister companies. I just don't... I, I don't think I've ever been in and heard music being played. I, I could stand corrected. I could stand corrected. I just, I just don't remember... Get, perhaps it's subconscious, isn't it? Isn't that like playing that noise outside Kentucky Fried Chicken, which is a high-pitched noise, apparently, which they play in a lot of places, to stop children congregating? And so only kids can hear it. And in fact, I downloaded an app once, which was a bit naughty, and it was to annoy children. You could sit on the train, click on this app, and it would send out a high-pitched noise, which only people of a certain age could hear. I couldn't hear it, but you could see kids on the train were affected by it. And that's what they do, because you you're hearing... Is different at different ages. So in order to stop kids congregating, that's what they do. They play this high-pitched noise. Good stuff, isn't it? I can't remember what the, uh, what the thing was called, and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't use it now, actually. But uh, at the time, it was, it was great fun. I was talking to somebody the other day about lasers. And the one thing, of course, you mustn't do with lasers is you mustn't point them up into the sky. That's a, that's a very bad thing to do, to point into the sky, because uh, it can affect helicopters and aircraft and stuff like that. And I said, I've got a laser that I bought from... Uh, China, China, years ago, years ago, I mean, like 15, 20 years ago. And it's a double-edged laser. It's part of a magic trick to make it look like um, uh, a light saber thing, and it comes out both sides. It would look good through mist. Uh, well, this thing can do miles. I mean, seriously, miles. From, from this building to the other side of Leicester Square, easy peasy. 
Seriously, easy peasy. Yeah, there's no, no difficulty. Yeah, I, can, I can hit churches in the middle of London. Easy peasy on this thing. Even if it's an interrupted thing, it's still good. Right, let's de- uh, do some more here uh, on the subject of, uh, of uh, haircuts. A lot of people noticing about this, um, this thing here. Uh, about haircuts and having nasal hair trimmed. Not nasal hair. So it's the only one they don't do, isn't it? It's eyebrows and they do ear hair, which is, uh, which is good fun. Uh, did you see 17 kids and claiming last night, says Joe? No, I can't watch programmes like that. I'm not interested in these people at all. Uh, the mum who was uh, complaining the three-bedroom house she was being given was too small because she was going to have to change the dining room into a fourth bedroom. I mean, I think the, these people... I don't think we should give them benefits. As far as I'm concerned, you have a child with somebody, they pay for it. Simple as that. You know, if they're too dumb to say, oh, I'm just having, having the child so I can get the flat and everything. No, no, you make the father pay for it. And that's what you do. I did see a programme the other day about council housing. It's amazing how many bent council house people there are. What they were doing, they, they were getting the council house and then they were renting it out to other people and going and living abroad on the proceeds of it. And it takes the council ages to find them. One of them, it was a woman. She'd, uh, she'd left the country. Then she'd come back in and she'd given the flat to her son. And it was it was um, housing, whatever they call it. Um, I can't remember what they call it now. Where you sort of you pay a percentage of it. And so they went round there, and uh, and, the, and and they said to the son who'd moved one of his friends in, and they said, uh, "Where's where's your mum?" And he went, "Oh, she's um, she's away at the moment." All right, she's coming back. Anyway, it turned out she'd moved out with uh, with her husband, and they'd gone to live somewhere else and given the flat to their son. Bent as the proverbial they were. So in the end, they went, I'm sorry, you're in breach of your uh, your agreement. This is for you, not for your son. And so they went round there to re- repossess it and got a mouthful of abuse from the son. Quite rightly so. There was another woman, she'd gone to live in Chile, was renting the flat out to people she didn't even know. They just rented it out for money, doing subletting. Appalling. But uh, they are clamping down. It just takes them a little bit of time. Uh, Peter says, you remember the time when the hairdresser would say, something for the weekend, sir? And I used to say... You don't sell lawnmowers, do you? It's an old one. They used to say that. That was the only place you could go to, wasn't it? Where you could really sort of buy things. This was, for those people who don't know, the hairdresser was the place that sold contraception. And so they'd always say at the end, something for the weekend. Assuming that most people were only getting it at the weekend. Whereas I thought, you've got nothing for Tuesday. You know, anything for Tuesday? Wednesday? Thursday? Something like that? It's always for the weekend. I was assuming the entire country must have closed down at the weekend because that's when everybody was at it like rabbits. Uh, Unfortunately, not in my household. Not ever. Ever. Sorry, I don't want to depress myself on a Friday morning. I'm trying to be in a positive, upbeat mood today because we've got Sir Ben Kingsley coming in, uh, who's uh, we're going to talk to about his latest film, uh, which I'm looking forward to talking to. He'll be in this morning. And um, and Katie Piper as well is going to be in because she's got a lot to talk about too. She's been in before, but it was a few years back. And Ben Kingsley, Sir Ben Kingsley, was years ago, I think when we were in Hammersmith at the time. So I'm looking forward to talking to him. They'll both be uh, with me. We've got Matt Smith coming up. And, um, oh, God, we've got all sorts of people. I've got Fern uh, in next week. Fern's coming in next week. And uh, also Barry Humphreys is coming in. Who else have we got coming? Oh, there's a whole raft of people. I think next week I've got four interviews to pre-record. The week after that, three interviews. I'm not here on the 24th, which is a Friday. For the first time ever in living memory, as far as I remember, uh, they've given me the Friday off because it's the EU and they're doing a long programme overnight on LBC, which will take up this programme. So on the 24th, I'm not going to be here, which will be for the first time. Nick Ferrari will be here until five. Is he here till 
from five. And I think Sheila and Ian will be here overnight. It's going to be fairly busy, fairly busy. And they've decided, give Steve a rest. So I thought, well, I never, haven't done a rest on a Friday. I won't know what to do with myself. Friday, I'll be waking up the early hours of the morning going, I work, work. Oh, no, I'm off. I'm off. Back to bed again. How lovely. Sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Uh, Joan says, M&S play music at Welling Garden City. Really? You see, I must have missed this. I'm not quite understanding this. Uh, Joanna says, I'm terribly sorry I'm late this morning. It's the one who told us about the 17 kids. I will not take excuses as to why people are late in the morning. You know what time the programme starts. Don't come whining to me about the fact I'm late. It starts at four. I expect you here from four. Now we're heading up to the news at six. So you're late already. You've missed two hours of the programme. Motorists now face a fine for passing cyclists too close. The flood threat to the Mona Lisa. They've closed the, uh, the gallery. They've closed the gallery. They're moving stuff up to higher ground because the Seine is flooding. Uh, that's the Louvre incident. I've been there. I bought... Um, what did I buy from there? An umbrella. An umbrella. Not very exciting, is it? at all, really. But it lights up, which is good enough as far as I'm concerned. And um, uh, Phil, Phil Vickery, we're talking about pocket money. He said, I got 50p a month pocket money. And then he says, my fern... Yes, your fern. She's coming in next Wednesday. I love the way they're not they're not swapping diaries now. She doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know where she is. Yep, she's coming in to me next week. You have been warned. Here's the news. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday, the 3rd of June. It's the weekend. And as you just heard on the news, yesterday was colder than Christmas Day. Freezing out there this morning. I mean, I, I did um, tweet that the car had gone past me twice. I thought we're going back to that old routine again. And my fingers were getting colder and colder. And then finally managed to work out where I was. Not too difficult. Not too difficult. Um, and uh, the other thing... Um, but, 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 what was it? Oh yes, the flood threat to the Mona Lisa. The Louvre they've closed. So if you're going to Paris, not the best time to go, as the Seine is flooding its banks. Uh, the motorist facing the fine for passing cyclists too closely. How are they going to do that one? How is that going? Tell me how that's going to happen. Unless there's going to be a policeman sitting by the side of the road going, "You're too close." They're never going to manage that one. And uh, and the castle could be inherited by the son, not the daughters. Always goes to the son. The counterfeit Viagra. It's worth £11 million a year, and uh, it's full of all sorts of ghastly stuff. Uh, Joey Essex turns up at the Tatler party. Lord knows why. Perhaps they were having a little bit of a, bit of a laugh. And uh, King Tut's burial dagger probably came from outer space, together with uh, all the rest of it. And Phil Vickery goes, when I said that um, Fern is coming in to see me, I think it's Wednesday of next week, he went, oh, lordy. Yeah, this is where, we, this is where we're going to get the truth, OK? This is where we're going to find out all sorts of things, Phil. I bet you. I love the way, though, he does it. They obviously don't sit down straight away and do it. Perhaps at the beginning of the week, they're sort of comparing diaries. When are we going to meet up? You know, I'm going off to do this thing. I'm go- you go- where are you going? You're not going to see Steve Allen, are you? There'll have to be a picture and all the rest of it. You know what it's going to be like. She's been in before. It's, uh, it's fine. Uh, yes, um, I hope so. I hope so, Noreen. I hope the incons go well. Yes, I hope so, too. Well, as I say, over the next uh, two weeks, I've got seven, eight to do. And we've still got Ray Liotta to play you. But that doesn't go out till, I think, they, when they start airing on Sky Living of Shades of Blue. It's a good inter- really good interview. Really good. They're all good interviews. You know, we always get nice people into chat. And if you get nice people into chat, you get good interviews. And good interviews are well worth, uh, well worth hearing on LBC. And so I am here tomorrow. Uh, and I will be here between... Five and six with the best of Steve Allen. Six and seven is in conversation. So it's going to be Katie Piper 
and it's going to be Sir Ben Kingsley tomorrow. Next week, oh, God, don't even know, know, know to, when to start. On the subject of your pocket money, as Phil Vickery told us, he got 50 pence a month pocket money. Of course, he is slightly older than the rest of us. Uh, I got two and six a week when I was 15. Uh, was it? No, I was younger. No, I tell a fib. I tell a fib. I'm so sorry. I would have been 10. 10. I got two and six a week because it was an eight week term. And I think my parents handed over a pound. And that was the that was to cover for the uh, for the pocket money for the term. <laughs> two and six a week. Twelve and a half pence. You've got loads of sweets for that, though. Uh, Sally says, in 1960, I got three pennies pocket money and also spent that on sweets at the time. The Mars bars were that price and much larger. And you've got four shrimps or fruit salads for a penny. Yeah, they were a farthing each, weren't they? The shrimps were great. They were those pink things, which were like sort of foam, sort of. And fruit salads and also blackjacks you've got. And you can still buy them. They don't taste the same as they used to, let me tell you. Uh, my pocket money, says Connor, was ten quid a week when I cut the grass, which was fun because it was a sit-on lawn mower. Um, Anna has had her hair done by Nicky Clark. Very po- That must have cost a pretty penny piece. And uh, John from Hearn Bay says, regarding pocket money, Steve, my parents used to say, save your money in the box under the stairs. I was 15 before I found out it was the gas meter. Do you remember when you used to put money in and you clicked it and it gave you so much more gas? God, I remember that. I remember that. Pocket money is available for the life of the parents. Only the name changes. Can I borrow 20 quid? Mum and dad, etc., says Andy. Um, uh, Did you see this last night, Steve? There was a programme on the television about people who have a tanning addiction. There was one guy who used to inject himself, very dangerous, up to six times a day, and spends over £200 a month on chemicals, which he buys online in order to make himself brown. Unfortunately, he wasn't brown, and all that used to happen was his skin looked very old, and he was skint by the end of the month. Oh, and he was also on benefits. Uh, He also used to blame his addiction on the fact that he was gay. Good Lord. That's a collection, isn't it? I've never heard anybody blaming anything on the fact that they were gay. Uh, Daryl says, in Bromley, M&S is a man who sings. Oh, Lord. We used to have one who used to sing in Kingston. I don't know if he's still there. He used to stand there. Alas, my love, you do me. And I said, oh, God, blimey. When they really can't sing very well, it's almost a bit of an embarrassment, isn't it? And you, and you wish that they would just sort of go away and go and sing to themselves in the, in the bathroom. Uh, Steve says, Christine, you forgot to mention, we've had a heat wave in Glasgow for a week now. It's wonderful. I wish, I, I wish we'd had a heat Well, actually, I, know, I don't wish we had a, a heat wave, but I just, I just hope that the weather brightens up a bit. But my, my friend Lynn said to me, she said, it's going to be dull and overcast for a little bit of time now. I said, oh, no. I, I, why can't we have some, some nice happiness? You know, a so, little bit of sunshine. I don't want too much sunshine. You know me, I moan about it all the time. But uh, a little bit of sunshine would be quite nice. But we're not going to get it. Apparently, Kate, who used to live in Crystal Palace, but now lives in uh, West Wales. I've got people all over Wales listening to this programme. Starved of decent radio, I always say. And uh, for several days, we've been having stunning weather. Really hot. Not a drop of rain. Mmm. Well, that sounds quite posh, doesn't it? Dry- See, I don't want really hot. There was some poor boy who was in Turkey, I think. He was only 17 with his family. And he was getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And so he dived into the swimming pool, had a heart attack. At the swimming pool, clutched his chest. They pulled him out and he died. I mean, I always think people like that, they must have, there must be something else going on inside them. You can't just get too hot. But I've been in a place before. I was in, remember I told you years ago, I was in Vegas, where... You, you tend to forget because everywhere's lush and green and there's water. There's no shortage of water. They never go, we can't put the fountains on at the Bellagio 
uh, because the, uh, there's no water. So the Bellagio's always got the fountains running, the grass is always green, everything's luxurious, and that's the way it works, because they've, they've planned it. Over here, they go, I'm terribly sorry, there's going to be a water shortage, standpipes in the street, standpipes. But that was the only place in Vegas that I got burnt to pieces, because I was lying on the roof terrace of, I think, the Hilton there, and they've got their swimming pool, and we were having sort of poolside food, which was sandwiches. Oh, God, I tell you, don't ever just ask for a round of sandwiches. It's enough to feed about 500 people. It's ridiculous. They've got no concept of food at all. And bearing in mind that crisps are chips. So if you ask for a bowl of chips, you're going to get crisps. Okay, you have to remember these things when you go there. They speak another language. It's a bit slow to try and teach them, but you do get there eventually. And you ask for sandwiches. It's like Chinese food in restaurants. You get so much of it, tons of it. And, um, and so I remember lying there and I thought, oh, it's too hot. And I don't, I don't generally do swimming pools. I don't generally do swimming pools. I don't want to go in a place where people have just got in to wash their feet. I'm not interested in that. I'll go in for a little paddle around and, you know, poodle there. by the so just, uh, But of course, I was getting burnt to pieces because every time I got out, I was I was not following my own advice. My own advice was when you get out, dry yourself, because otherwise each little droplet of water acts as a magnifying glass. And I burnt myself to pieces. My legs Seriously, I thought they might have to be taken away from me and recast in another sort of guise. It was awful. I burnt them so much, they blistered. It was terrible. You tend to forget you're in the middle of the desert and it is baking. So don't be fooled by it. So whenever somebody says to me, want to come and sunbathe? No, thank you. No, not for me at all. My bus fare, Steve, in the early 70s from Fulwell to Twickenham went up from one and a half pence to two pence. (laughs) I like that. I like that. David Romford, poor soul, honestly, but somebody's got to live there, says, uh, I bought some salmon and shrimp paste yesterday. Must be years since I've uh, had it. Forgotten how lovely it tastes on crackers. Salmon and shrimp paste. We used to have crab paste. I've not heard of salmon and shrimp paste. So crab paste. Oh, I could smell it now. It's horrible. I told you it's like sort of cat food first thing in the morning. Salmon cat food. Horrible. Horrible. And um, Les says, my pocket money was three shillings a week. You could buy Woolworths with that. Could you really in the 60s? <laughs> and, and Phil says, um, I got a 10 shilling note. It was brown, if I remember rightly. Oh, I love the way you've forgotten what colour the 10 shilling note was. Come on. You know, the pound note was green. The 10 shilling note was brown. The 10 pound note was brown as well. I've got a 10 shilling note at home. In fact, for those ladies of a certain age, they will have had a charm bracelet. And one of the things on the charm bracelet was a little tiny box, about a quarter of an inch square, and inside was a ten-shilling note, which somebody had folded up and then put in there and sealed it. And you could get a pound note in there as well. But it was done so that the ten was right at the top through the little glass window, and the pound note had the one right in the middle. And I often thought, you know, perhaps you could just undo it and take the money out. But, uh, never worked like that. My Auntie Ivy used to have a, a real big charm bracelet every Christmas and birthday. Her uh, her husband, my uncle, used to buy her another charm for the bracelet. So she ended up having loads of them. And then when she went off to her son's funeral, Martin, who was my cousin, uh, thieves broke in and stole it. Awful, isn't it? Things people do nowadays. They find somebody wearing one, they're in big trouble. Uh, Phil says, uh, Fern is going to ask about our bromance, I think. Am I going to get into trouble? <laughs> she's going to be telling me everything about you, Phil. You'll have no secrets by the time, by the time she's finished doing this interview with me. You'll be, you, you might have to leave home or go out in a mask or something, or a full burqa. I must thank a lady called Philippa. Uh, Philippa, Philippa makes candles, which is very good, actually. Uh, and they're Spitalfields candles. Spitalfields is the most pop... Isn't it? Everybody talking about Spitalfields at the moment. It's like Shoreditch. 
Everybody talks about Shoreditch. Spitalfields is the old bit, really old bit. I think that's where Dennis Sever's house is. And so she makes these 100% natural candles, Spitalfield candles. And so she, and she sent me in a sample. And Nick Ferrari's got a sample as well, which is nice. So I've had candles and I've got Marmite popcorn. And I've nearly eaten a whole packet of Marmite popcorn. I'm going to be such an ill boy later. I really am. But it's nice. I've sort of, I've, I've sort of, I've got a little piece here. I might have that during during the next break or something like that. I don't know. It's very free and easy here. They don't mind. I say what I should really be eating is fruit and something healthy, and I'm eating something that's not particularly good for me. But at the same time, it's naughty, and I think to be naughty is occasionally okay. We will do the front pages of the papers. We've got some more stories to find out why Auntie is anti-white. This is the Beeb. They don't want white people. I thought that was called prejudice. They only want minorities. Perhaps you could be. I should be a gay, one-legged, bisexual or something. Oh, no, you can't be gay and bisexual, could you? But uh, that would be a minority, wouldn't it? I think what they're talking about is ethnic minorities. Quarter past six, LBC News Time. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. <laughs> I was looking at a picture on the television of this woman. She's a blogger called Selena Swift. And I'm thinking, how stupid does your hair look? How ridiculous. Why do people think that, you know, if you've got hair hanging over your booby bits at the front that it's going to be genuine look ridiculous honestly there was a woman on the train yesterday and i'm sitting down there and i'm sort of mildly switching off you know there. and this woman gets on and she's got hair three quarters of the way down her back but unfortunately because she was sitting in front of me i could see the clips holding it in because it had been a little bit breezy yesterday and i remember thinking to myself does she know we can see that it's all for-? and she she kept flicking it every so often like it was hers I thought it just looked ridiculous. Uh, Neil, he says, we've had our resident nesting dick with the chicks. It's a duck deer. OK, just I point that out to you in case you weren't aware. And so that she's had, I don't know, it looks about uh, one, two, three, could be eight, eight or more, uh, which is lovely. I don't know where they're going to go after they've been with you. She said, uh, he said, sorry, it's, it's so cold for them because they've had the duck nesting and now the chicks are out and now she's going to be wandering away from the nest, encouraging them to go. Ours crossed the road. Seriously, cars were screeching to a halt as ours crossed the road and then we did have a slight problem when we took them back to the river. We had to catch them. They whiz about at high speed. Three times we've had ducklings. I've now taken away uh, the place where they were nesting because they'll fly over they'll see someone they go oh look empty pot i'll just sit in there that's fairly safe and it was only because i'd walked past it as you know a couple of times and this this duck's head popped up and looked at me and then i suddenly realized when it had gone off to feed that it was sitting on about 10 eggs and we had i took pictures of ducklings walking up and down the corridor and things like that it was lovely but uh, you have to you have to leave them to their own devices i think now neil uh, or failing that, get somebody to come and collect them, if you can find somebody to come and collect them. It's lovely, though, isn't it, really? When you see them, they're, they're, like, little, they're like little bundles of fluff. It's like cotton wool with, uh, with two legs and a little beak on it. It's really cute. Really, really cute. And uh, Danny Cohen says, I have my hair styled by Wilkinson Sword Five Blades and a memory. Sigh. I know, it is sigh. Sometimes when I see people, when I looked at uh, Ray Liotta the other day, he's got a full head of hair. And I think that's what makes people successful. Full heads of hair means successful, I've decided. I do not have a full head of hair. My boss has got a full head of hair. And loads of people in management, in fact, most of them, all of the management here, they've all got full heads of hair. I haven't. I think that means I'm always going to be a worker and I'm never going to be management. Everybody now breathes sigh of relief. Uh, Julie says, you should have Phil and Fern in together. Oh, can you imagine... Can you imagine the arguments? Can you imagine what it would be like? Oh, I can't even hazard a guess, Julie. 
of what that would be like. Because he didn't know she was coming in. So now there's going to be, there's going to be, instru- she's going to have been given instructions by him. What does he look like? You know, because you see people's pictures, but what does he really look like? So, you know, I'm going to have to lose three stone by next Wednesday. I don't think this is going to be happening anytime soon, is it really? <laughs> uh, so Muhammad Ali, we keep our fingers crossed for Muhammad Ali. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to think about anything awful. I can remember getting two and six pocket money. It was a single coin. Yes, it was a half a crown. There was a half a crown. There was a two shilling, which we called a florin. And and then there were pennies, thru, uh, sixpence, threepenny bit, pennies, halfpennies, and farthings. And then above, uh, above the half a crown, there wasn't anything apart from the ten shilling note, and that was that. And of course, ten shilling notes, which looked like a lot of money, but in fact were only worth fifty pence. That was it. But you used to get the old pennies. God, they were lovely, weren't they? The old pennies. At least it, how we had pockets, I'll never know. How we had pockets, I've got no idea. But uh, really, really nice. Uh, if the sun is out tomorrow, says little Julie, guess he'll be wearing shorts. Oh, I can well imagine, actually. <laughs> you never see me wearing shorts. <laughs> Not in this world, anyway. Uh, Elaine says, you brighten up my mornings. I'm hoping to go to a grand opening night of Houdini's Magic Bar in Broadstairs. I don't know what to expect. But I'm sure to make a drink or two disappear. The old ones are the worst. And you only know the old ones. Uh, Steve, the guy that sings in Bromley is raising money to help for heroes and is very good, says Alex. They don't need any money for help for heroes. I know that seems a bit of a silly thing to say, but they've got more money than they know what to do with at the moment. Seriously. In fact, they haven't got any more injured people. They need to, they did a big thing on it in the papers a while ago. Uh, Emma's in Laylam, who's turns 50 today. I love that people say the big five O. No, it's 50. It's 50. Halfway to 100, which of course is every likelihood that you might actually make it, Matt. And uh, a lot of people tell you about their pocket money. It's amazing how many of you did better than I did in the pocket money states. Uh, as a Marmite fan, where do I get the popcorn, says Janice. Um, uh, I don't know, actually. It's just, it's, uh, you can probably buy it. It's a well-known brand, Joe and Seth's. It's, it's called Gourmet Popcorn, but Marmite. As I say, I've rapidly worked my way through the packet. Rapidly. <laughs> I'm feeling quite guilty about it, actually. I don't like to feel guilty about that. Uh, Steve, I'd say the tension net was more red than brown, says Russ. Well, um, sort of, yeah, yeah, I would call it reddy brown. Let's go for reddy brown, OK? Uh, have you seen the candles that change colour? Certainly have. I've had them. I've had every sort of candle you can get. Back in the 60s, says Malcolm, we used to operate a carrier bag service with our little carts at the train station in Blackpool. Make good money. Do you remember the days when you used to see kids doing penny for the guy? Penny! Penny for the guy. Pound now. And in fact, you don't actually see kids doing penny for the guy. Parents don't let their kids do that. It's like trick-or-treating. That doesn't work as much now, does it, at all? But the, but the interesting thing is that when you used to see penny for the guy, kids used to take an old perambulator out. A perambulator. I mean, many of you are saying, is that a pram? Yep, that was a pram. And you borrow it from somebody. And then you'd, uh, you'd sit your guy in there and you'd stand there going penny for the guy and people would give a penny. And the idea was it was supposed to go on fireworks. But you never spent it on fireworks. You spent it on sweets. <laughs> oh, we were mad as children. But I'm sure it was better. I'm sure it was nicer when we were children. I don't know why. I just... Perhaps it's because you look back with fondness, isn't it? You look back and you think, God, that was different. And your life goes through so fast. You know, children. I was, I was looking at a little girl the other day. She's just coming up two. And uh, she's gorgeous. And I think, God, you've got your life ahead of you. But it's going to whiz through and it's going to cost your parents a small fortune, not just to send you to nursery, 
But, uh, but you know, lovely times, lovely times. You wish you could go back, don't you? But that's what memory is for, and that's why we cling on to it as long as we possibly can. Uh, so the good stories in the papers today, the man who won £4 million on a scratch card, uh, the plastic fiver, you'll see it demonstrated all over the place on the television, uh, King Tut's burial dagger, they think it came from outer space, well, the, well, the, um, uh, the metal came from outer space. Uh, the dream... Team star lineup for a West End debut. It's Dream Girls. Phil says uh, she never said she was on with you. Well, she is. I've, I had it. I've got it confirmed in front of me. It, it is Wednesday, isn't it? Was it Wednesday for Phil? Uh, sorry for Fern. For Phil. Fright and Phil then. And uh, also uh, Paul Burrell to get divorced. But as I say, I thought they'd been living separate lives for ages and ages. Uh, Prince Harry turns up without a tie to a veterans event, and one of the veterans says, apparently jokingly. You know, where, where's your tie? Immensely rude. And he said, oh, they said I didn't need to wear one. He said, I now feel underdressed. Yeah, it's the same suit he drags out all the time. I think he's only got the one suit. And he, you'd think he would actually know. You're doing a veterans thing. They're going to be wearing ties. You know, that's how it works. Uh, jovial Prince Philip back on form after the health concerns. The neglect by the Priory of all places as a 14-year-old girl dies. Uh, lessons will be learnt, and they have to buck their ideas up. Sainsbury's, who cocked up over their Prosecco deal, £2.86 a bottle, wasn't it, or something like that? Because they really screwed it. You can't get it anymore. They've uh, they've taken it away. And the most pocket money for nine years you're now getting is about uh, £5.66 a week. Phil Vickery only used to get 50 pence, a 10-shilling note. That was a month, I think. That was a month. Ten shillings a month, which is a bit, which is two and six a week, which is what I used to get. There again, we are probably similar ages. Uh, sadly, no more from me today, but I am back with you tomorrow between five and six. God and the producer willing, with the best of Steve Allen. Very good this week. Very good. Very funny. Uh, yeah. Woo. Big up, Steve Allen. And then we've got In Conversation, which is Ben Kingsley and uh, uh, Katie Piper. Which we're recording today. And then next week, four interviews. And then the week after, three interviews. And then I just quietly keel over somewhere. You know, just in a corner. They'll find me sort of propped up going, I can't go on. I can't go on. But I will. And I'm back with you live on Sunday between five and seven with the Sunday papers. So have a great weekend. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting our um, prize winner today. The person who bid for me for the Make Some Noise charity. And it's tea at a top London hotel. So I shall see you down there a little bit later on. Look forward to that, Lenny. Uh, The rest of you have a nice day. You can download the app. It's on the LBC website. It's the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet, which means you don't miss a moment. And we send you our free podcast as well. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Loads of stories we never got round to, but wait and see what we've got coming up in the free podcast for today. Leading Britain's conversation at seven. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Uh, next, though, in for Lisa Aziz, it's Hannah Vaughan-Jones with the morning news. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen.